Welcome back to the best No Judgment Zone space in the world because neither one of us have any law degrees. I'm Marvelous. And I'm not your average Joseph. And we are the Particle Sons. Let's start the show. We got a guest in the building, Mr. Kerry Escoffrey. How you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to, to doing this. Yes, man. Bless the people with your wealth, health, and happiness and stuff. How's the mental doing? Man, I mean, probably like everybody else, right? You know, kind of dealing with the the pandemic, the shutdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, twenty twenty was particularly difficult for everyone, um, but we're we're surviving. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. Yeah, man. I just feel like you know, we thought we would help the peoples with the masses and the information to get their money up because everybody's worrying about their money's going down. Sure. Right. So and you would be the best person in our world. To kind of inspire and help the people and motivate them across the world. So and, and and plus, we don't know when that next stimulus check might hit, and we don't want y'all to just running off and buying Nikes and 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 clothes and and, and that king crabs. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so hopefully this will help you out, kind of figure out what your next move might be, and um and and help you plan for the future. Yes, most definitely, because I feel like a lot of times, a lot of people, especially with our community, yeah. we tend to get our advice from the musicians sure. and yeah. the entertainers. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And sure. my philosophy and stuff is you want to learn how to fly a plane, you got to talk to a pilot. Yeah. You yes. can't ask yeah. a chef how to fly a plane. Yep. But a lot of times when they get that half-ass information and stuff, whatever, then that's it. So we'll get into that dance. So... Let's talk about these questions of the week and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes questions of the of dance. The week. So yes, folks, like, comment, subscribe, catch us out on YouTube, um, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the audio plugs necessary, iHeartRadio. We are here. Let's go. Um, smooth. Yes. Could you marry a partner who slept with over 50 people? I think I can. I mean, if she you don't tell me, shaming? if she don't tell me that she slept with 50 people. Here you go. Here you but, go. But I told this. you before, I... I don't need to know. I'm not asking any type of questions for you to have to d- d- divulge that information. Right. I feel like the stupider I am to that point of view, the better. How about you, Carrie? Man, to, to to your point, smooth. I mean, I don't ask that question up front. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, know, so you so, ask it later? No, no, no. It, it, it's one of those things. Like I can think back to my past. Um, you know, especially when you're younger, that's a huge concern. It may be something that you actually like, preface up front. Right. Um, it doesn't seem like a question that you necessarily ask now, but there's always the potential that it's something that kind of creeps up and makes itself, you know, be, be something you become aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, don't think I could do it up front if I had that knowledge up front. Yeah. Um, really. But at the same time, it's not a question that I'm asking up front. Got it. You know, so. so, okay, let's say, for example, you're in a hypothetical relationship for like a year. Yeah. You're Gucci with that year yeah. going past and yeah. you're not knowing nothing. Yeah, man. I think, um, you know, at, at that point, what you're evaluating is is the person and who they are to you. Okay. Hmm. Right? Um, which is which is a good thing. It's just that for yeah. us as men, yeah, yeah. I feel like the average man and stuff, whatever, they tend to... I don't want to say slut shame, but they look at it as a word. Some dudes be out here putting numbers on the board. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But then when the women are putting numbers on the board, they're like, nah, nah. One dude even yeah. one dude commented to me and said, no matter how many women he can sleep with, his dick won't stretch. <laughs> <laughs> but he said vagina will stretch. So I said, yeah, but you underestimate the power of a Kegel. 
There you go. <laughs> so, I mean, when it comes to the Kegel dance and stuff, how do you know? Damn, right? she might have been Kegeling since, you know, the last two years. And you probably think you're the number one. You forget, you forget all <laughs> they had the, um, what's it, the Yoni eggs? The Yoni eggs. And then they had the little cooch steamer thing, whatever. So, they should be good. Like a brand new car. I mean, like, but, but going back to what I'm saying, though, it's, it's one of those things where, like, if you have that information up front, mm-hmm. it would probably taint the opportunity to get to know that person. You know what I mean? So would it though? Cause she's a professional now. Yeah, for she me, she know what she's doing with the if, dick. If, if I knew it, if I knew <laughs> it upfront, it's kind of like it, it would probably be. You know, I, I it probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't do anything after that point. Right. So Ooh. it's one of those things where you know, if you don't know, what mm-hmm. you don't know doesn't we'll hurt, hurt you. you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the line yeah. that you were going along. So there's a yeah. lot of Mario Wine is in here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see how it is. Well, yeah, 56 percent said no. Fifty-six percent. They said no. They won't. They won't do it. They want to marry a partner who's been with over fifty people. Wow. It was kind of close for for a poll. Yeah. I was. I was kind of shocked too because I thought like I would be like the we'll be like the anomaly. Right. But then again, I guess it shows the growth of a person. Sure. Right. Because you're answering from your own point of view. Yeah. 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 Okay. Other question and stuff is: Are dreams meaningless? And eighty-five percent said no. They come true. Mm. Agree. Mm. You agree. I gotta say, I think that's true, and I think um, mm. that exists on a spectrum too. Though, like, um, it's what is a dream, right? Like, dreams are things that we can establish with our conscious mind, right? Um, and dreams are also things that can be presented to us in our subconscious. Very true, right? right? right. So you know what I mean. So I have dreams, I have aspirations. Dreams can be perceived as objectives and goals as well. Facts. Those are very real. Those are real. Yeah. Right? Like, I can write that down. I can actually create a plan and pursue that. Um, there are things that come to us on our subconscious mind when we're not really thinking. Um, and I think those have meaning as well. Um, I think a lot of what comes into those types of dreams mm-hmm. are a function of what you truly desire and what you want. Right. So in, okay. a, in any event, like in both realms of what a dream is, mm-hmm. I think right. they're meaningful. I think they help to guide. I think they speak to who you are. See the funny thing too. So now <clears throat> check it last week. I had a dream that I was saving the world yeah. or some Armageddon type of stuff. Hey man. And it's now's the time. It was it was yeah, it was some <laughs> alien dance and everything. And at the end, we saved the world. All right. Yeah. I'm walking out with people I've never seen before. Yeah. And we're all walking out slow motion with Nassau jackets. Okay. Okay. So I'm looking like, okay, woke up 15 minutes before my alarm went off. Yeah. I was like, those are badass jackets. <laughs> So I took my punk ass and stuff, whatever, online yeah. and see that badass jacket right. and I bought it. Right. Yeah. Hey, prepare, man. So You're I was getting ready for your dreams. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Follow yep. your dreams. Yep. Now, some people cuss me. They're like, what the hell does got to do with it until they saw the jacket? Right. That's so why I posted the jacket. Right. Right. And they're, they're like, where you get that jacket from? I'm like, mm-hmm. My dream. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, wait, wait. You seen I tagged you in the watch post, right? Did you see that? Yeah. The NASA watch? I was like, okay, well, this is, this might be serendipity happening, yeah, right? Something's going on. See? Yeah. Something's speaking see? to you. Something's speaking see? See? That is it's just coming alive. But no, I feel like a lot of times that for me, I said I said no on a subconscious level, mm. right? On a subconscious level and stuff, whatever, like when people say they dream of fish, someone's mm. pregnant. Mm. Right. How? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I'm, like, I'm not a dream reader. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get the understanding and stuff for it when people have those kind of dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they said dreams are never like written out as how they plan. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, and I think that's life though. I, I think a, a, a Caribbean one to that is dreams don't walk straight. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Abstract. That's yeah. That's that that that's what I I, I heard from. I, I don't know if I heard that from my mom, but I definitely heard that from somebody and mentioned it that way. Sounds very dreams Jamaican. don't so, dream, somebody Jamaican. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sound yeah, like yeah, something yeah, Jamaican, right? Something Jamaican. Dreams don't dreams don't walk straight. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't. I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you get those translations, you be like, huh? But you know what? One day, one day you're gonna wake up from a dream and it's it's all gonna click and make sense. It's like, oh, it didn't walk straight. It, I got yeah. it. And then it walks straight. Okay, run it. I like that. Um, yo, R.I.P. Rest in Paradise. Oh man, Dark Man X, mm. Earl Simmons, whatever you want to call him, Dog Man. Yo, he was he was a great hip hop icon. Whatever. I mean, I feel like the community got hit, and much as the world, because I don't want to say the fully community, because especially that Woodstock video is floating around. Mm-hmm. Right when he was at Woodstock, and yeah. A lot of people in that crowd lacked melanin, so I don't want to say it's the community. It's I don't the think world. anybody was melanin in that video. When yeah, I seen yeah, because that was like, Woodstock, whatever, right? So right. I mean, like, yo, I feel like this man had a big impact yeah. to the musical world slash world because not only what from his hip hop side, but even from his poetry side as well. Right. Yeah. Right. So, R.I.P. to thoughts and prayers and his family and his and his kids that he left behind. He will be missed. For sure. How you feel sure. about X passing? Man, um, you know, definitely um, definitely touched me, for sure. I can remember listening to It's Dark and Hell is Hot when I was in high school. Um, mm. And it's, it's crazy because when you're in high school, maybe you can digest some of the message that's coming through the album. Right. But it's not until later years when you kind of like put that back in again and you, you run it again, that it really starts to like impact you in a different way. Right. Um, and over the last few years, like I've definitely been doing that. I've been reaching into the crates, listening to things that I heard in middle school and in high school that you, you bopped to, but you didn't quite understand. Didn't quite understand. Right. And have a new meeting now. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, he definitely falls within that, uh, within that bucket. So, so, so rest in peace, Earl Simmons, um, you know, definitely one of the greats. How about you, Smooth? I, I hit you. Well, I mean... You know, for me, it's, again, like, it's part of my growing up. Like, yeah. I've always been involved in music, whether it be on the production side. I think I was I think I think was trying to be a rapper at the same time DMX came out. <laughs> and mm. it, was, it was one of those things, when he came out, he automatically separated himself from the rest. Just, by, mm. just from the raspiness sure. of his voice. Right. We were like, oh, this is something different. He's not trying to sound like everybody else and just the just the energy that he brought mm. i don't think at that time i don't think there was uh, another well there was one other rapper that i felt energy from and that was buster rhymes right but, and buster buster was 90 he was 92 with leaders of the new school right, until he started exactly. doing his own and coming was exactly. 94 so and for me there hasn't there had up until that point there hasn't been another rapper that had that much energy i mean i remember when the first time where my dogs act came out. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the hell is this? It's like, yo, why does this guy have so much aggression and why do I like it like that? Oh, you're it's talking like, about get at me dog. Sorry, get at me oh, dog. Okay. When yeah, get yeah, at me yeah, dog that, came out, I was like, that beat hit different everything. Yeah. That, that whole vibe. The whole vibe. And it's like, oh, this is something different. Like, and different. just the tone of his voice, you just, you felt it, right? And it was like, ever since then, I became a DMX fan. And mm-hmm. it's like, he wasn't the for me. He wasn't super lyrical as far as um, a poetic type flow, mm-hmm. but the lyrics itself 
said something. It had weight. It had weight to gotcha. it. Gotcha. I'm not mad at that, man. I'm not mad at that. No, nah, like to, to that point, like you talk about the, the energy. I think there were rappers, like rappers kind of had this, it was either you were a rapper with energy or you were a rapper with depth. And he was one of those ones that kind of kind of those bridged, two, bridged, bridged the two. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, man. R.I.P. Oh, give me, give me your best DMX bark, man. <coughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's Chihuahua stats. <laughs> yeah, what about Chihuahua, you? That's <laughs> 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 um, oh, excuse me, man. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I don't know what I, can, <laughs> I don't. Know. Yeah, I he's just saying, get at me, dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the oh, deal, right, like right, I don't right, know right. you went pitbull on this, man. You went, right. you went straight pitbull, bro. Yeah, yeah, boomer, mm, boomer, one yeah, love boomer. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, we weren't the same kind of love of DMX fans. Because <laughs> the dopest thing and stuff is that when Dark Hell is Hot dropped, and then the end of that year, you got Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. Oh, man. I mm. think for a hip hop icon, because in hip hop, two albums in one year has never really been done in the game of hip hop and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I want to say even back when when they had like. Only eight tracks to a to a, a, a album. Right. Still, Dark and Hell is Hot had more than I want to say, including the skits, had about seventeen tracks. And Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood, and stuff had about eighteen tracks. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I'm like in one year, you get two bodies of work for one artist. That's dope. And rock, that's normal. In hip hop, yeah. no, that's a feat. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, you will be praised and miss X. Yeah. No doubt. Most definitely. Sure. And yeah, thoughts and prayers to. Smooth boy, Prince Philip. Tell us how you feel, you British bastard, you, you bloody bloke. You know, my son actually had to come in time, man. And I was shocked. Listen, yeah. I'm shocked to the, the, the stuff that my son sits down and researches and knows. Because I'm like, do you even know who Prince Philip is? He's like, I don't know, but you're British. Yeah, I, was like, oh, I, I, I said, yeah, you, 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 got, you got me there. But um, I don't know. I was just, even though, even though being British and knowing how they have such an affinity to the royal family. Yeah. I was never one really like that to be, to be on so it. on it and be like, oh, it's it's the royals, it's that and the third. You like you you knew when events would happen because it's worldwide news. But apart from that, I didn't really follow them like that. Um I knew that he was sick in and out of the hospital over the past years or so. Like that I knew. Brother was like um, a walking dead to me, but you know, that's just my opinion though. Cause I mean, like he stepped down from his position from 2017. Yes. Right. And since then, I want to say in and out, in and out. That's when I got to know who he was. Right. I want to say me living in Canada is getting a better understanding of stuff of who he is, sure. who he was. Excuse me. Yes. And it's just, I want to say, there's a few countries in the world with the queen on the currency. Canada's one of them. Canada's one. Yeah. Um, Australia, New Zealand, those places and stuff as well. Jamaica as well. Yes. And it was just. It was so fascinating that you've never heard too much about him. Like uh, when I seen the bio and stuff on him when as he passed, I was like, he was an interesting dude, but how do you marry a queen and you don't become a and king? You don't, be, you don't become a king. I'm still, I'm still, it's, I'm still confounded with that. I, I don't that's know a bit how, dodgy, mate. I don't know. It's a bit that, bloody dodgy. Eh? I don't know how that happens. But, yeah. Who run the world? Girls. Beyonce told us that. <laughs> So you can't be king on no queen's watch. I'm not on the queen's watch. Isn't it God save the queen? And queen's been kicking it fine. Well, I mean, when my when my daughter asked me, I was trying to explain to her, I think it's more of a line thing. So you actually got to be part of that bloodline in order for you to be king. So gotcha. that's, whereas, that's, that's dodgy though, because my thing and stuff is that if it was the other way around, yeah. 
set king was there, you marry, you become queen. But you know what? But you as the queen, you're still not the ruling monarch. It's still the king that's the ruling monarch. So Is I that think, because it's a parliamental monarchy? I, I don't know exactly. Because but I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking on the lines like that's kind of how it works. If if I marry if I'm the king already and I marry you, you become the queen, right? Now well, if I'm you man, become, I'm you become ruling. Queen. You probably come ruling if I pass because right. you, you've been given that title queen. And I think he could have been given that title king. Mm. I just not sure how it worked. Probably yeah. he just said, nah, you know what? Let's leave that as as is because Charles is the next in line. Mm. And it's like, do you do you upset that fa- that family tradition? It's like, do you because let me look, yo, they off niggas in the royal <laughs> anything to do with like kingship and stuff like that. Yo, brothers kill brothers over that shit. Yeah. So I mean, what do you do to yourself? Hmm. Yeah, do you I'd like to be king, but I'm probably more safer being the prince, prince. type of dance. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't have a lot of in-depth knowledge. My knowledge goes as far as watching The Crown over the last, <laughs> uh, you know, last few episodes of The Crown. You talking on Netflix? On Netflix, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do know that there was some controversy around around that aspect of things, right? Like the royal house remaining a Windsor, right? And kind of keeping that right. line, right? right. And, and it seemed like there was, um, there was some controversy and there was a bit of angst as to like, which way is it supposed to go? Mm. So while, while we're debating it, I think they were debating they, it at the time were themselves. Well. Right? They were yeah. trying to figure out which way it goes. <laughs> oh, um, and, uh, you know, we have the queen. Yeah. We had the queen for a very long last time. And you know what? Let's not forget, this dude was like 99 when he, when he passed. So right. it's not like yeah, he, say he was two months away from being a century. Yeah, so he's, he lived a full life. Life, yeah. True. I mean, past the, the common expectancy of a male. Right. Right? So it is what it is, man. They said he's he fulfilled over 20,000 obligations as a ruling monarch. and Which is dope. Yo, you put in your time, you did your thing. And at some point, he's probably tired of this shit too. You know? He's just like... I got to go to another event and represent the crown. Yeah, you oh, blimey. He was here a few years ago and stuff, right? Like yeah. he was here like while he was still in power. Right. He was here a few times. I'm like, who the hell is a Prince Philip? And then they were like, that's the Queen's husband. I was like, when? I've never seen them together. Like the mm-hmm. Queen will mm-hmm. pop up random on her right. own. Yeah. And like that's my boo. I'm gonna be mm-hmm. with my boo. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like a Stedman and Oprah kind of relationship. That's why. That's why I was like, mm, are we sure? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Remember, I grew up in America. We're not too fond of like the whole monarchy right, and everything right, and right, stuff, right. whatever, right? So, I mean, like. Well, we, y'all fought the British. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. we have our battles and stuff. We decent now. Okay, okay. We All decent right. now, yeah. but I mean, not to be ruled and governed. And I mean, Canada's one of those places and stuff like the governor general. Yes. Right? A position and stuff like that. They answer to the queen or they're the voice for the queen. Voice for the queen. So, yeah, like, just interesting. Yo, so who's more impactful with their passing? X, Prince Philip. Well, I'm always going to call X's name first when it comes <laughs> yeah, yeah, So yeah. April the 9th, April the 9th is official. It's, it's X's day. It's going to be X's, X, X's day. And then you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Prince Philip passed through. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. okay, all right, all right, all right, Metzel. We're here with the financial expert. We got our guru. Talk a little money for us and stuff. Whatever. Let me let me ask you stuff. Whatever. Like, 
from the January dance with the whole GameStop event, mm. break down that little situation and stuff. Now, it was a whole lot of dance between like stock and stock options and people's losing money. Mm. But explain in your words, how man. did that dance work? Yeah, no, you want to jump right, right into it. So. Why not, man? You know I'm a bastard like that. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, GameStop... Um, it, like being someone kind of in the finance space and understanding it, I stayed on the sidelines and watched it play to, play out. Mm. Um, didn't get involved because uh, you know for a few reasons. One, I tend to be a fundamental investor, and I'll get into like what that all means. Okay, but specific to GameStop, uh, you had a situation that was initially, I think, pr- like driven by a lot of speculation. Um, speculation is just. You know, you're you're kind of banking on where you believe something has the potential to, to go. go. Like right. call and put. I mean, without even getting into derivatives yet. Okay. Just keeping it super simple, yeah, like yeah. super simple. Yeah. Um, it's just speculating direction, up, up or down. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, specific to the the GameStop situation, um, I think you have to understand that in any given market, um, you can make money when things are going up. You can also make money when things, things are, are, going, are down. going down. Right? Okay, right, right. And I think you know, at the basic, the, the the basic level, a lot of people miss that that fundamental understanding. Right. Um. You know, you, you kind of have that understanding that you buy low and you sell high, so high and that's right. how you make money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, in any market, you can also make money when things are are going, going down. down. Um. The the way that you do that, um. There's a few different ways that you can do that, but one of the ways that you can do that is by way of what's called shorting a stock. Okay. And okay. What, what shorting a stock means is ultimately, you know, when you understand, uh, most people understand investing in stock, it's you buy something um, and you, you, you sell it at some point in time in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the fundamentals of shorting an asset, stock, real estate, whatever that may be, is actually selling something that you don't own. Right? Okay. So, okay. Not, sorry to, sorry yeah. to cut you. So, so you, can, you can short other stuff other than just Ab- stop. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And it, when, when you understand mm. like the fundamental of what a short position is, right. you understand that you could do that with anything. Okay. Because right? I wasn't understanding that was just stock you could do. Yeah. No, sure. So, okay. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I didn't know that either. What, what taking a short position ultimately means is there's this phone, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm speculating that this phone is going to appreciate in value, that is go up, right. then I want to buy that phone today, mm-hmm. hold it and sell it at some point in time in the future. Right. If I'm banking that that phone is going to depreciate in value, go down, what I would do is I would reach out to somebody that owns the stock mm-hmm. and say, yo, can I borrow this from you? Right? Mm-hmm. I will borrow that stock. Right. I will sell it at today's price and tell you, I'm going to give this back to you sometime in the future. Right? Oh. right. So I'm going to borrow it from you. Yeah. I sell it immediately in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. I wait. If the stock price, if the price of it goes down, I buy it back when the price has gone down and I return it to you. Right. Oh, I've now made that. I've now made a spread. Okay. I sold it today at what's called the spot price. Spot price means now. Right. 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 Uh, so I've sold it at spot. Maybe that spot price was ten dollars. Right. Mm. I've waited. I can now purchase that same asset back for five dollars. I buy it back, and then I return it to you because that's my obligation. I borrowed it from you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I I borrowed it. I sold it for ten dollars. I bought it back for five, and I gave it back, back to you, and to I made five dollars. Right. That's the simplest way to understand it. Got it. I like um, that. Got it. The mechanics of what's happening in between. Of course, if I'm borrowing something from you, I'm gonna also pay you some interest. Right. Right. Yeah. So say the interest that I paid you over the time that I borrowed it was a dollar. 
Right. Right. So I, I give you the stock back and I give you your dollar. Mm-hmm. Right. And that right. eats into the, the $5 profit that yeah. I made because I have to. So now you've you, now you made four. So I've now netted $4. Four. Right. 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 But that's, that's the simplest way to uh, explain how a short position works and how to make money when things are going down. Right. And to, to the point that you were making uh, smooth, it's like, I can do that with anything. It doesn't Got necessarily it. have to Got be it. stock. Yeah. I can borrow something from somebody, right? Sell it at today's market price, mm-hmm. knowing that I have to buy that very thing back to return it to the guy that I own it to, that, mm-hmm. I, that I owe it to, right? And that's ultimately called taking a short position. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the GameStop scenario, that's, that's what was happening. Now, you'd mentioned, like, puts and calls and different types of options. Right. Um, those are what are called derivatives, right? Okay. A derivative is some, it's, it's ultimately a contract that gives you the ability to either sell something at a predetermined price mm-hmm. or buy something at a predetermined price. So instead of me actually borrowing the asset and selling it eventually, mm-hmm. I may enter into a call option or a put option um, a call option gives me the ability to buy something at a predetermined price, regardless of what the price is at that time. How far, how far in the future is that? And that's the thing with a call option. The, the, the value that you pay for a call option is actually a function of how long that call option is good for. Okay. Right? Okay. So what people do with options is it's a way to leverage um, the asset because I don't actually have to buy the full value of the asset. Correct. I'm now buying a contract that gives me the ability to either buy or sell the underlying asset at a predetermined price. Mm, right. So in that way, you're ultimately, you're pretty much simulating the same thing as a short, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, because now you, you don't necessarily have the asset itself, but you have a contract, contract that's tied to the asset at a certain price. Is that more safer than the short or? That sounds kind of volatile though. Does does each other have its advantage over the other or? Yeah, so it's derivatives, right? Derivatives being, and like I'll define what a derivative is. A derivative is something that ties you to an asset without it actually being the asset. So when we talk about a call option Mm -hmm. or a put option, that's ultimately agreement, an agreement that says, hey, I'm giving you the right to buy this phone within this time frame at this price. Or okay. I'm giving you the option to sell, sell this phone, phone right within this time frame at this at price. price. How do derivative products become risky? Well, you don't actually own the asset. All you own is that agreement that allows you to buy or, or sell, sell at that predetermined price. Mm. If the agreement expires, then I paid for something that I never actually used. Gotcha. Right? Got and so, so in in the basis terms, derivatives tend to be much riskier than owning the underlying asset mm-hmm. because with the underlying asset, you still have the underlying asset. Right, right. Right? Mm-hmm. Whereas with derivatives products, your derivative contract, your option can expire worthless if you didn't actually exercise it, it right, and use it. Mm-hmm. You bought it, you kind of waited, you didn't end up purchasing the asset you didn't end up selling the asset you didn't do anything with that agreement right the time, the time has elapsed but... well that contract is worthless Woo. right so so that's so it makes sense why so many people were losing money in that process so a lot and, a, a lot of people were losing i mean there's a lot of people that made there's a lot of people that made a lot of money through right. gamestop there's a lot of people that lost money through gamestop um i just think that there were two schools of people there were people that were actually uh, you know, playing the GameStop game that understood what they were doing. Right. right. Who had and the knowledge. Were, who had the knowledge. Right. And then there were people who were playing the GameStop 
game with just kind of because they just know the name of GameStop. Yeah, I, I, and it's no on knowledge. The news. Yeah. It it's going up, right? It's going up, mm-hmm. and so I'm just gonna jump in, but jump not in away. What was what was happening there, right? Because my whole thing when when I first heard about it, and I was I was trying to wrap my whole head around it, and how it was explained to me is that the the people who buy shorts were betting on the fact that GameStop is a brick and mortar. We know brick and mortars, they're closing all the time. Correct. So it's a, it, it's a company that would be losing mm-hmm. money, sure. maybe eventually to the point where they would have to close. So well, that's granted, why- GameStop itself and stuff, they have online stores. Sure. Right. Right. So right. even if they do close the brick and mortar, mm-hmm. they still have an online company and stuff, which you can still pre-order and purchase games and consoles, etc. Right. But with the but with the brick and mortar, mm. you're still paying for the the rent, the over the, the the overhead costs, all of that stuff. So you're losing money, money if you don't have traffic coming in and buying from the actual store. Gotcha. Sure. So in a case like that, you would see that I, I I'm assuming the stock would be going down. down. So this is what the short sellers are are betting on. They were betting, yeah. So that's that's ultimately what a short seller who was kind of looking at fundamentals. Right. Was banking on, right? Right. They were looking at it and saying, you know what? This is a dying business model. Mm-hmm. I'm going to short this stock, right? So going back to that definition of, of short, Shorts. I'm going to borrow this stock from other people that own it. I'm going to sell it today with the expectation that I'm going to buy it back, back. tomorrow at a lower price because right. I am anticipating it going down. Right. Right. Got In it. value. Right. Got it. Now, that's, that's kind of, that sets the frame of what, the framework for what was happening with GameStop. Now, what happens with what happened with uh, you know kind of taking it to another level? What happened with GameStop was, um, and this is kind of like a an issue that exists within the financial markets um, as a whole, is it was typically hedge funds that were entering into these short positions, right? Right, right. Um, and what tends to happen is there was more short positions than there were actual stock. Of this company. Oh wow! Oh. Okay. Right. So, so this is where the Robinhood issue came up. This is and this is where Robinhood now comes in. Like, I mean, it, okay. it, it gets really deep, right? But yeah, because like we grazed on it, but like like I said, we're coming to the pilot. Sure, you yeah, know, yeah, how yeah, to sure. fly the plane. Yeah. Sure. So, you know, what ultimately happened was you had these hedge funds that were shorting the stock. Um, there was actually more short positions out there that than stock that existed. Right. Right. Um, there are some retail investors, and I don't know if you guys followed like the Wall Street bets and kind of this forum of people that were just like regular retail investors identifying that, wait a minute, these hedge funds are shorting the stock. But remember, these hedge funds have to buy this stock back, back. at a point in time in the future to return it back. to the, pe- right. person that, the person that they initially borrowed it from. Right. When that was identified, it was like there is... There are there is literally not enough stock for them to cover their short positions. So what did they do? Retail investors started buying up the stock, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And when you buy stock, ultimately what happens? It's a bidding process, right? It's like yeah, right. I'll buy for five. The next day I'll buy it for six. The next day I'll buy. Like that's how auctions work, right? That's right. how prices go up. Appreciate. What that created was a situation where the hedge funds now yeah. were expecting the price to drop. We're now in a position where they're losing. I'm losing a lot of money here. Yeah, because it went to like 300 and something. Dropping because it's not dropping. Yeah, they're right. The direction that I needed to. Because because I heard when when it when it started, I'm like some people were saying like the stocks was like four bucks. It was like four. Yeah, and then it went all the way to like 300 and change. And I was looking like, 
GameStop? Punk-ass GameStop where I take my old games right. and they disrespect me on my money back? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I told you my Pokemon yeah, Snap yes, yes. story know, already. You know, you're, yeah, yeah. You're still hurt from yeah, that. Yeah, we yeah, understand I'm emotionally that. still hurt from that. that. We get it. You were one of the short sellers, I guess. You're you know? damn right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you had, what, what, Ed, what that ended up creating was what's called a short squeeze. Mm. Um, a short squeeze is a situation where uh, somebody who's in a short position right is finding it difficult to exit it. that short position. In order for me to exit that short position, I have to buy it at a higher price mm-hmm. that I initially shorted it for, right. putting me in the opposite situation that I want to be in, right? You're no, you're no longer making money, you're losing. You're, you're, you're not losing you're a losing. lot of money. Right. Right. Okay. And so what retail investors were doing, kind of identifying that there's more short positions than there are stock available, mm-hmm. they just bought up the stock as much as possible, right? And forced the hedge funds to be in a position where you can exit, your, like how much of a loss do you want to take? Because tomorrow yeah, it could be even higher, higher than it was yesterday. Right. So and you just got to tap out as soon as possible. So the fundamentals of the underlying company went out the window. Mm-hmm. right? And you just had people that were ultimately betting against the positions that they were on. Are you, are you one of the short sellers? Right. If, you, if that's the case, I'm going to squeeze you and, and continue to, to uh, have this price appreciate and put you in a worse position. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a short seller, you wanted the price to, to come down. Right. right. Fast forward to like the Robin Hood thing that you were referring to, mm-hmm. um, kind of observing all of this. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, controversy around why Robin Hood that made the decision that they made. They ended up closing the buy side of that trade. So they prohibited anybody from continuing to, to buy, buy the stock, but they still enabled yeah. individuals to sell. sell. Right. Right. So when you don't have any buy pressure and you have selling pressure, mm-hmm. your price will, will come back down. Right. And so okay. hedge funds in general were kind of bailed out, right, as a function of that decision. Gotcha. Because retail investors didn't have the ability to keep the price where they wanted it to be to continue to squeeze the hedge funds that were in their short positions. I understand now. So a, a lot of moving parts. I mean, it, it gets even deeper than that. No, because it, it, it clicked as, to me and said when we were talking about the Street Fighter thing before re- recording. And, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yo, that's right. GameStop punk ass did the thing <laughs> with the Robin Hood and we grazed on it. And I was right. like, I didn't fully understand it. Like I'm taking the information. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, there's some stock options. I'm like, yeah, people's losing mad money, but yeah. then it was going up. I was like, what? I'm like, you gave it crystal that, clarity. That, that the fundamentals of now. it is if if you understand what a short position is, you mm-hmm. start to understand how that situation even came to be. Gotcha. Right. Got and for me, it, I I didn't participate in it at all. I stayed on the sidelines because I knew at the end of the day this doesn't end well. And right, um, right. With your knowledge and know-how. Which, which is, yeah, like, I mean, you can potentially make some money, but you don't know when the game stops, right? Right, So, you know, it's if, if, if knowing that, it was kind of like, you know what? I'd rather sit on the sidelines and play the market and fundamentals that I understand. Correct. Because I can't time this when this is going to collapse. Right. You Have know? we seen anything like this happen, like, before maybe, like, on a small... Because I, I get... I guess why it got so much notoriety is yeah. because it was like people, I think it was, someone said it was a group on um, Reddit. Reddit. Yeah. Reddit, yeah. Who said, hey, we're going to go in and we're just going to buy. Yeah. Is, yeah. Has there ever been a situation like that prior to this where it's been such a heavy buy on a short, on, on a stock that's usually short sell? Mm-hmm. So, so what, what, I, what I've seen in the past and is you have, see, it's all about, um, how much buying or selling power you have, right? And when we talk about buying and selling power, it's how much dollars are you working with to be able to influence a stock's price, right? right? Got it. You know, if I have a lot of dollars, 
to pump into it to buy a stock, right. I can actually influence its price, right? I can push its price up. Mm. As a single retail investor, I don't have that, that ability. Correct. But when you had a group of people in a forum, yeah. right? On social media, kind of corralling and rallying and saying, okay, we're going to do this collectively. Right. You now had enough of that buying power to actually go up against hedge funds. Power to people. Power to the people. So I've you've, you've definitely seen the scenario play out between two large institutions, mm-hmm. right? Between okay. two hedge funds. Right. Kind of on opposite sides of a trade and like, right. you know, like it's like, well, who has the most buying and selling power here? And and usually the, the, the bigger power comes out on top. Right. Um, but this, in this instance... Um, you had a lot of small players. It was the common man. It was the common man kind of rallying together, um, <laughs> going up against those that, that had, that had right. bigger dollars, right? Got and it. I mean, Got it. you know, there's even around that narrative of it being kind of the small guy versus the versus the big guy, like mm. David versus Goliath, Goliath. Yeah. Um, is is a bit controversial too because, you know, there's, there's people that will swear up and down that it's not quite exactly how it played out, but... The reality of it is it, it was small retail investors versus really large institutions of capital. Let me ask you something. Um, pertaining to social media now, right? It, all, it, it crossed my mind and stuff earlier. You ever seen on social media, especially like Instagram and stuff, where they have people saying, give me $100 and I can flip it over to 1000 Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that? Like um, if, yeah. from, from your side with your knowledge and then if you didn't have the knowledge you had, would you fuck with it? No. Okay. Um, for for a few reasons, um, it's it's always and I'm, I don't I, I I say that with a grain of salt because the I, I don't want to step on anybody else's opportunity, right? Okay. Right. Um, but what I feel is happening in those situations is you have if if somebody's soliciting like soliciting you with an investment opportunity like that on Instagram, mm-hmm. it's already contravening securities laws. So there are actually, okay. Okay. there are actually, there's, there's a very clear securities framework that exists. I got that, two chicks in my DM trying to get me on some shit hey, like that. Right away. <laughs> I mean, or are they chicks? Forward, forward that to the Ontario Securities Commission and they end up, they end up with a problem, right? Okay. Um, so, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of that, but, um, you know, just by way of the securities laws that exist and how I can go and raise capital from an individual to invest in a project right. is very strenuous. Um, and if you're seeing that off the rip, you can, it's already a red flag because you're not, you're, you're, you're already in contravention of securities laws that exist that prevent people from actually doing that. Well, it makes sense now because I remember way back in the day when I used to see that frequent, yeah. it's now those profiles are now private. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I guess they're trying to hide from the security laws that they're breaching, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you're not typically, you're not going to see um, private securities solicited like that. And what I mean by private securities is when you have a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're Apple, right? right? You're Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, companies that actually trade on a publicly traded stock exchange. Mm-hmm. Anybody can participate in that investment, right? right. Anybody above the, you know, the, the age of majority can participate in that investment. Okay. okay. I, I can buy Apple. You can buy Apple. Nobody's stopping you from buying Apple right. Right. or Microsoft or IBM or any publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. When it comes to private investments... Um, somebody who's saying, hey, um, you know, give me $1,000 and I'm going to invest that in this project and it's going to generate this return. Um, that's, called, that's what's called a private placement investment. Mm-hmm. And um, that individual has to follow very strict 
rules with respect to how they raise that capital from you. You see, and the, the photos and stuff, remember the gram, the pictures worth a thousand words. Yeah. So you got like a yeah. stack of dude, like people in their car with like money lined up on yeah, their sleeves. I mean, right, yeah. Fan, fanning out the money and stuff for them. You're like, just a hundred dollars can get me a that? G? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so th- that's the first question that you want to ask. It's almost like, under what securities framework are you are you even able to solicit this investment to me? Because I think one of the, I think what one of the things that catches a lot of people is that they always say this is a hundred percent legal, and, and I'm scratching my head. I've never heard how you can make a hundred dollars turn into a, a G right, like, like in a day. How, Unless it's illegal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless it's illegal. Yeah, Unless yeah, it's yeah, illegal. Yeah, yeah. Facts. Yeah. Um, and the, the crazy thing when it comes to those securities laws to begin with, um, I don't know, there's two minds to it, right? Like the it's framed in a way where it's supposed to protect individuals mm-hmm. because, you know, what stops this dude from running away to Mexico and you never see him again? You ran off with your right, money, right? Yeah. See, si, senor. <laughs> so that's why those rules exist. Um, but when you look at the securities laws and you look at who would be able to invest in an opportunity like that, mm-hmm. right. um, typically it favors um, you know high net worth individuals. So um, there's a, a definition called the accredited investor definition. That's somebody who has a net worth of a million dollars, can't include their principal residence, so forget where you live, mm-hmm. um, and makes $200,000 a year. That individual would be able to invest in a private investment opportunity. Oh, okay. right. by law, right. they yeah, can participate because yeah. the idea there is they're they're safe from anything that might. You can happen. weather the storm you if can, something goes wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're you know even the the rules go as far as as identifying them as somebody who's sophisticated enough to make that investment decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with that is, I mean, it's just another way that the rich get richer because they have oppor- they have access to opportunities so that, that the poor other people don't necessarily. The haves and have nots. Right. 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 So, I mean, it, that's why it, it's supposed to exist. But mm. the you know that's one of the I guess the um, negative side effects of having those types of laws because there are opportunities that are out there that are only private and not listed on a publicly traded exp- exchange that are really good. Um, that you may not necessarily be able to invest in because it would be against the law. Now, would that be more on a, the Canadian side or the U.S. side? Or both, or just the continent of North America in period? Both. Um, and generally speaking, there's securities framework, um, like, globally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the U.S., you have the SEC, the, Security and Ex- uh, the SEC, the Exchange, Securities and Exchange Commission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I heard a lot. I, I think... I got wind of, of them with the whole Elon Musk type of things when yeah. he started saying certain things on Twitter right. and he would get in trouble, trouble from the SEC. Right, right. Yeah. from okay. the SEC. So right. they regulate that. Um, the US, they, they are the like notoriously the strictest and hardest regulators when it comes to securities law and, and, and that sort of thing. Really? Didn't know that. Super, super uh, strict regime. Um, in Canada, it's the, uh, the Canadian Securities Administrators. And then they're broken out provincially. So in Ontario, you have the Ontario Securities Commission. And they, they're ultimately the, the governing body that define the rules and how do you participate and what do you need in order to, mm-hmm. uh, in order to solicit private securities and, and that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. No, okay. Um, well, I got 
10 million questions. You, you want to jump in? Nah, we're going good right now. Let's run it. All right. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, getting getting this shit. So I'm shut your ass up over there. Well, I'll chime in every For, now and okay, then. With okay. Okay. Let's talk about, but to answer your question, like when I see something like that on Instagram, I'm immediately like, yeah, but yeah. You, you're, you're in a position. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're you in a position. Know, you stuff, you're right, like, right. But you're talking yeah. about Willis. Yeah. But, but, when everybody else and stuff, like, if I'm none the wiser and stuff, yeah. and I'm like, I mean, I got $100 to spare. Right, right, right. And then you start looking at some type of things, and then much as, now, from the Canadian side, you're factoring where all I see is people fan out US dollars. Yeah. So that means if I give you this equate to 100 US, sure. And it comes back to me. It's gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Currency exchange rate and yeah. everything like yeah. that too, right? Yeah. Like even like when I thought about the stimulus and everything, is though that's fourteen hundred US. Yeah. Right. Converted over at that time was probably about like seventeen hundred and thirty something dollars. Okay. So I was like, I'm like, that's still sexy to somebody and stuff on the Canadian sure, side. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. That's a lot extra sexy because you can that you're stretched to a little thing, right? right? So I'm like, I just wanted to figure out how that would work because I'm saying no to it when, regardless. Yeah. But when I'm looking, I'm like, well, is it just me or is it just the same photos that's kind of like screenshot and put to someone else's yeah. gram? Yeah. Talking about, I got this money. It works. Hey, th- th- what I would say too, though, is like, it's not to say that, you know, like those types of s- schemes exist and some people do actually make money. Mm-hmm. It's just, you have to ask yourself, this wasn't... This wasn't framed in the proper way, which probably means that the underlying opportunity itself isn't super, super legitimate. Legit. Right. Right. So, you know, whatever it is that's generating the return, if it is generating a return or if it's a pond, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it didn't even start off within a legal framework of how right. it was brought gotcha. to the right. It's already dodgy. So you always it's already it's already dodgy off the bat. And with and with that in mind, you're probably subjected to maybe fines and penalties if it comes. So as I mean as the investor, right? Um, typically, those bodies kind of like you know they they aren't to, they aren't out to get you. They're out to right? get the they're people, out to get the guys who who were out uh, raising the money. And, got exactly. It, got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yo. Okay. Speaking of which, man, if you had fourteen hundred US from the stimulus with your know how, what would you do with it? I mean, it's uh, there's there's a wide array of things and opportunities to look at, um, but. I've, I have, I kind of have this three part process and I don't want to kind of jump right into that, but I'm a heavy believer in, um, trying to establish your portfolio with real estate to begin. Oh, so real okay. estate will come first in your world. Real estate comes first in my world. Um, okay. and I'll get, I don't know if we'd want to jump into that right away, but I mean, we here, we, to, we can dance a little to, to that point though, $1,400 may not necessarily give you the opportunity to jump right into real, real estate, estate facts, right? Okay. right? Because right. it is a bit more capital intensive. Okay, right? so then, so then, let's not jump right in right away. Sure. Let's just figure out. Okay, you have fourteen hundred dollars. What can you do? Right. Um, so with fourteen hundred dollars, I and this is going to sound super unsexy, right? You know, your people want the truth. That's what they want. The, the truth of it is this, um, and it's not exciting at all. It's when you're looking at your investment potential, what you have the ability to do with your money, you have to look at it from from two angles. Look at it from, well, are, do you have debt? And then look at it from, what do I have the opportunity to invest in? Mm. If you're already, if you are in debt, mm-hmm. right? Um, and typically like consumer debt, which tends to be like high interest debt, mm-hmm. right? dig yourself out of debt. Okay. Okay. Right? So yeah. it, it's crazy because it's like, I'm going to take my $1,400 and, and just pay off my credit card. Yeah. Pay off your credit card. 
Mm. Um, because, you know, with, you know, credit card debt, you're probably incurring about 20% in interest annually, right? Right. Um, and so you're digging yourself into a, a hole, ditch. a deeper hole. Um, even if I give you an investment opportunity, you're, you're still in the hole. Right, right, right. Um, and you're, you're getting further, you're digging yourself further and further into the hole. Yeah. So if I give you a really good investment opportunity, but you're already underground, you may, you know, you, you may, you're, you're still in the ditch, right? But mm-hmm. you're stepping on a stool in the ditch. But the, the, I, the idea is, is dig yourself out of the hole first. Okay. Right? Um, because there is no investment opportunity that someone can put on the table um, that is going to guarantee you a return. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. Right. But your debt is guaranteed. It's your 20, you're going to incur 20% interest Every in perpetuity year. until you get Deal out of debt. It. So it. it's, okay. a, it's a super unsexy answer because people want to know like, what am I going to throw it in to make me some money? And the idea is, well, stop losing money. Like, how do you get out of losing money first? Let's dig ourselves out of that. Gotcha. Once we're there, all right, now let's start looking at opportunities to, to like, kind of- stop the bleeding before you, you, you do anything else. Yeah, yeah. You got to stop the Makes bleeding sense. first. Okay. You got to stop the bleeding Makes first. Sense. Makes sense. Okay. So um, what would you recommend for like a beginner to investments? Like, what, what, what steps would you recommend? So you said real estate. Yeah. Now, what if you don't have the capital for real estate and stuff? Do you just save your money until you become ready to do the real estate dance? Do you recommend anything else in before, in between? Yeah. So I would say that there's a stage of saving and accumulating some capital to make your first true investment opportunity, right? Okay. Um, And so stack a little bit first, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And the reason why I'm partial to real estate is... I have this three-part process to how I identify opportunities, right? Okay. Um, The first piece is it's relatively easy. I don't want to say super easy, but it's easier to establish an investment opportunity that yields some benefit in the future. Okay. 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 So like if I have a 10-year horizon Mm -hmm. and I park some money and I can forget about it for 10 years and I don't necessarily need this thing to start making me money today, Mm -hmm. there are super passive investment opportunities where you can park that capital and know that you're now set it, setting yourself up for the future. Okay. Yeah. So I always say start by setting yourself up for the future. Okay. Not about how you're going to generate a turn in the here yeah. and now, today, tomorrow, tomorrow I got... It's like, like the George Foreman grill. Set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. Yeah. That shit <laughs> might burn depending on the meat. <laughs> set, set, it and, set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like real estate as a vehicle for that okay. um, because one can go out uh, by a passive uh, real estate in, uh, in, uh, investment, like say, like, let's call it a condo. I bought a condo mm-hmm. um, and I've now put a tenant in that condo and that condo is in a relatively stable rental market um, and it's just kind of doing its thing. And it's not necessarily bringing me money in today, but that person is servicing the debt, right? The mortgage that I have on right. that. Um, and I'm building equity over time, right? And I've kind of said it and forget it. Right right, right, right. I put my thirty, forty thousand dollars down into this condo. I put a tenant in there. That you know, there may that tenant may cycle out, and a new tenant might cycle in. But it's a relatively passive investment, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not throwing off cash at you today because the rent that's coming in is likely going towards paying down the mortgage, covering your property taxes, uh, whatever other expenses you may have. Got it. But you're building equity. Equity. Right. Right. Um, and that equity will have, you know, you'll have a lot of value to extract in 10 years in 15 years, seven years. If you have like a nice, like real estate 
if you're in a nice real estate market, market where you're yeah. kind of riding the, the returns, right? Mm. But it's relatively passive. Mm. So it's setting and forgetting something for the future. That's the first thing that I suggest. Okay. Right? What about um, those Airbnbs? Like, what if you have to buy a property and then use that as an Airbnb? Because I noticed some people are doing that as well. 100%. So, which is going into number two. Okay. Right? Okay. Oh, I, All right. I'm ahead of the game. So, 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 number two now is, okay, you know what? I parked some money. So, I know that when I want to retire, I have $300,000, $400,000 in equity value sitting in three, four years. I'm sorry. In, you know, 10, 15, 20 years time. Mm, right. It's just $300,000, $400,000 is just there. It's going to yeah. be waiting for me. I'll call you when I get there. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But it's it's doing its thing. Um, now you start to say to yourself, okay, well, now that I've figured out the future and how there's going to be something for me in the future, how do I start thinking about the today, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you got to get a little bit more aggressive, mm-hmm. right? It's not as passive as it, as as that is. Uh, so enter something like short term rental as an example, right? Right. Now I can couple something and say, okay, well, I'm going to invest in this piece of real estate. Um, this piece of real estate is not only going to just cover my mortgage and the other expenses associated with holding that piece of real estate, mm. uh, but if I get more aggressive with my strategy, I can actually have some cash flow coming in. So I'm 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 actually making more than I have to that than I have going out from the carrying costs associated with that. Nice, right? Right. Um, and it's now it's a bit more management. Right, mm-hmm. right. You, you know your Airbnb. You got to manage guests. Right, when people Maybe. come in and out, you have to do the maintenance and everything. Linen, cleaning, right. and all that stuff. So yeah. um, it becomes a bit more aggressive. But there's now you're kind of doing two things, right? You're kind of mm-hmm. have an asset into the future, but you're also generating some cash flow because with Airbnb, you're typically making more than you have carrying costs going out to carry the property. Nice, right, right. So okay. you're netting another say two thousand dollars a month that can go into your pocket because opposed pocket. to having the rental income coming in you're having income in, coming in from renter or, or sorry from Airbnb, Airbnb short term rental yeah and you can probably depending on the market you can increase whatever you're rent, uh, yeah. doing that night for yeah. and, and so forth so I'll, I'll give you like like let's some some simple math in that respect say my you know my mortgage is $2,000 a month that's what I need to pay right um, you know on short term, a short term rental platform like Airbnb, I'm maybe charging two hundred dollars a night, right? That's thirty days in a month. That's six thousand dollars a month. Um, maybe I'm only occupied eighty percent of the time. Mm-hmm. That's actually forty eight hundred dollars a month coming in. Uh, so I have forty eight hundred dollars coming in. I have two thousand dollars that I gotta pay for my mortgage. Right. I have some other expenses. I gotta pay cleaners. I gotta pay um, you know maintenance, <laughs> supplies, and stuff like that. Right. right? Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, maybe I still net two thousand dollars, mm-hmm. right? After covering all those, after expenses, covering right? everything. Um, so that's kind of moving into that second piece. I that second piece to me is not kind of building equity and kind of set it, forget it. It's now talking about how do I generate some cash flow? Okay, right. Like okay. how do I generate some some supplemental cash flow? And there's a, a variety. There's an array of different um, vehicles that you can use to do that. Uh, that's one way to leverage real estate to generate some cash flow, mm-hmm. right? So you talked about Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also getting into like multifamily uh, real estate. So now- Is I'm that not, number three on your list? No, no. So we're oh, still in that number two. Still in that number, number two. two okay. Like another way to kind of be a bit more aggressive than just buying, buying like a passive property. property yeah, the equity. Just for the, getting there, for equity. Right? Right. Um, it's, I purchased a property, but it's it's a triplex and there's three units in it, right? And yeah. the the rent from two of the units goes towards my carrying costs and the rent coming in from my third unit it's banking. is extra is bonus. cash flow that, yeah. that comes into my pocket. But again, now you have three tenants. Um, I have a lot of stories with managing multifamily buildings. <laughs> it gets yeah. tricky. Yeah. 
Um, and that's why when I talk about it being a bit more aggressive, like if you want more out of it, it's going to require Why a bit more headspace and a bit more work. You right, don't work, right, you don't right. eat, you don't grind, you don't shine. That's, that's, that's exactly what it is. So that's another way to kind of fit in that number two bucket um, with real estate. Mm-hmm. But there's tons of other ways as well to kind of satisfy that cash flow stream as well. Like you can invest in dividend paying stocks, right? So that is, I bought a stock, that stock actually pays me a dividend for being a part owner in it. Right? Okay. A lot of people forget that or, or maybe not forget, but don't quite understand what it is that you're doing when you, what what it is that you're doing when you actually buy a share in a company. Right. You're a part owner. Right. Right. right? Um, if that company pays dividends, right, which is a portion of the profits that it's making, mm-hmm. um, then I'm entitled to some of that profit that mm-hmm. that company is throwing off. How many? I want to say, let's say public stocks. Yeah. How many would pay dividends? So there's kind of. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot, but um, ballpark figure. Oh man, I mean, more than fifty. Uh, oh yeah, a lot. Okay, there's okay, a, okay. There's a lot. There's gotcha, a lot. Um, gotcha. And it it really boils down to, um, you know, dividend paying companies tend to be more mature companies. They've kind of found their footing. Um, they're not companies that need to reinvest all of the profit that they make back into the company to continue to grow. Right. Right. They kind of have this residual profit, and it's like you know what. We've taken some of that profit. We've reinvested that in the business to ensure that the business is, you know, going to sustain Same itself so. into the future. Yeah. Right. But that that other net profit remaining mm. after we kind of like reinvested in ourselves, we can actually pay that out to our shareholders. Gotcha. Right. Because shareholders are are your owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're, we're going to pay uh, distribution out to our owners. So more mature companies tend to pay dividends. So banks, um, energy companies. Right. Um, okay. Real estate investment trusts like a Rio Can or um, you know like a Callaway REIT, um, you know. So about companies like Apple, insurance Google, companies. and stuff like that's not considered dividend companies. So, interesting enough, a lot of tech companies don't pay dividends. Oh, okay. um, some do. So like Microsoft now pays a dividend, but for years didn't pay a dividend. Right. right? And the reason they didn't pay a dividend is the profits that the company was generating annually mm-hmm. were just reinvested into the company because those profits were needed to continue to grow the company. Right. Right. So I can't just dish it out to you as an owner. If I do that, then I'm stagnant. I'm, I'm just right here. Right. I need to invest in the next iPhone. It's always research right, and Apple. development. Research R and D dollars. It gets it kind of rolled right back into the company. God, I can't distribute that as a profit, as uh, as a as a distribution to you compared to like the that, banks. Compared to the banks, who are kind of like you know they're just kind of coasting. They're modelers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're coasting. We're, we're charging our fees. We're charging our interest. Right. Yeah. Um, some of those profits get reinvested into the banking infrastructure, but you know, high growth tech companies tend to like need a lot of money to continue to reinvest in itself to continue that growth. Gotcha. It's only at the point where they reach a certain level of maturity that they say, you know what? We're at a point now where this residual profit that we're making will start paying dividends out to our to our underlying shareholders. Hmm. Got it. Um, so like an Amazon, for instance, Amazon doesn't pay dividends. Right. Um, Amazon just continues to roll its profits into growing Going. and becoming a bigger Amazon. <laughs> right. Fucking conglomerate. <laughs> right. Let's, let's, let's build let's build a hundred more fulfillment centers right. around the world. Right. right. True. Let's, let's do that. So um you know, it really depends on what uh, type of company you're investing in that's going to define whether it is a dividend-paying company or whether it's a high-growth company that's going to continually reinvest in itself. Okay. Help, help break down what an ETF is and yeah. what it means. 
Yeah. So an ETF stands for exchange traded fund. Okay. Okay. Um, when exchange traded fund is is, you know, most people are probably most familiar with what a mutual fund is. Right. 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 Yeah. Mutual funds. It's kind of like uh, you know you're investing in this fund. That fund is invested in a diversified basket of things. Okay. Right. So I may be invested in this mutual fund that has some RBC stock in it, some Royal Bank, has some CIBC in it, has a variety of companies mixed in it, mm-hmm. right? Got it. So I'm now not investing in a single thing, I'm investing in a basket of things, right? Ooh. That's, what a, that's what a mutual fund is, and that's mm-hmm. what most people are familiar with. Right. Now, an exchange-traded fund- Is that like the Dow Jones and- So the, the Dow Jones is an index, right? Oh, okay. And like the S&P 500 is an index that NASDAQ tracks itself. Index. Right. right. So these are- um, um, you know, those are indexes that track themselves to a diversified basket of things. Right. Um, but on the exchange traded fund side of things, the reason I'm kind of correlating it to a mutual fund is people tend to understand what a mutual fund is to a degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An exchange traded fund emulates that. Um, it's a basket of things that you're investing in. You're not investing in any one thing. The difference with an exchange traded fund is that it is, um, it can be instantly traded in the marketplace. So like any other stock, mm-hmm. right, that you can buy and sell, yeah. you can actually buy and sell stock in an ETF, right? So that ETF that you're invested in is actually diversified across many things. Right. So when I buy Microsoft stock, I'm buying Microsoft and now I'm subject to the movement and the valuation of Microsoft. Right. right. If I invest in an exchange traded fund, I'm now looking under that exchange traded fund and say, okay, what diversified basket of companies am I invested in? So you might get other tech companies in that basket. Right. So I may, you know, I may be, I may purchase uh, an ETF. Like I'll give an example, like um, ZEB. ZEB is a exchange traded fund that is a financial institution exchange traded fund. So what you're invested now in RBC and some CIBC and some Scotiabank and some BMO and mm-hmm. a variety of financial institutions. By only We're getting back one. to the sexy part. I like the sound it's, of this one. Right, but, right. but you're, 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 you're now investing in one thing, but mm-hmm. that one thing is giving you exposure to, to many, many things. things. Right, right. So right. now I don't necessarily need to bank on RBC, mm-hmm. right, and own RBC outright. I'm holding this ETF that's giving me exposure to all of the banks. Okay. Right, okay. which kind of diversifies your position. Right. So mm-hmm. if I'm bullish or if I'm, um, you know, uh, if I want to invest in financial institutions, I don't need to buy the individual stocks of all those banks. I can buy an ETF that emulates what owning a basket of those stocks look like. How much would an ETF cost average? Because you're, you're buying an array. So do they get like a collective price from all the companies in there or something no? like that? Um, ex- you know, ETFs trade at their own market value. OK, it's. It's whatever the underlying mix of that ETF is. Like, right. So, you know, when I talk about like a ZEB, ZEB may be 30% REBC, 20% Scotiabank, 10% BMO. That, um, you know, consolidation of all those things that make up that ETF mm-hmm. is ultimately what determines its value, right? Based on its pro rata share of what's kind of mixed into that underlying ETF. Gotcha. Right, 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 um, right. And the movement of that ETF is a function of how the underlying companies in that ETF are performing. When they say buy low, sell high, what the hell does that mean? Um, it's, it, it's just that, right? And I think, you know, I, I love the fact that we covered what shorting a stock is because you can sell high, buy low, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Um, and so buy low, sell high is, is really just purchasing an asset for a certain price, 
selling it when that price goes up. How do you know when to sell? Um, there's a lot of ways to look at that. So I, there, what I would say is there's two schools of thought when it comes to how you invest in stock. Um, there are fundamentalists. Okay. okay. Um, and then there are technical investors. And I, you know, neither school is wrong, mm-hmm. uh, but they're looking at very different things. Right. So a fundamental investor is looking for. So, so to, to your point, right, like you were talking about like the fundamentals of a company. Right. Right. Like what are the, what are this what are this uh, company's prospects? What is what's the cash flow that it brings in? What, what are what are the financial what are the financial statements look like? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a fundamental investor. And there's a lot of technical indicators that I can kind of go into there that would determine whether you're buying at a good price and when is a good time to sell. Right. Right. A technical investor is not so much concerned with the financial statements of a company. Mm-hmm. They're more concerned with the price movement of a stock. That's kind of like the average person. I would, I would say so. The okay. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say so. Would a, a day trader more fall in that? A day As trader a would, would certainly fall into the technical um, investor category. Okay. Mm. And the, like, again, neither school is, is right, right or, or wrong. wrong. Right. Um, they're just different schools of thought. Okay. Um, like the a fundamental investor, the most uh, you know popular fundamental investor would be Warren Buffett. Right, right. right. I Warren, mean, you want Warren Buffett money, so you would emulate, try to do him. But the majority of people do not invest like Warren Buffett. Correct. Right. Yeah. Uh, Warren Buffett is not concerned with price movement. Right. He's not watching. A <laughs> he stock. has a capital, the net, the growth, <laughs> well, he, the he, yuck money, the fuck you money to throw up. Well, not even so much that as much as it is like he's looking at the he's looking at the company that he's buying. Right. 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 Like when, when you buy a stock, you're buying a portion of that company. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a, a Warren Buffett type investor, a fundamentalist, is looking at the financial statements of that company um, and trying to determine what the future and ongoing performance of that company is right an investor like warren buffett is concerned with things like dividends right um you know mm. what kind of dividends and what kind of cash flow is this com- is this company going to pay me over time um will that dividend that they're paying me continue to grow over time mm-hmm. those are right. the types of considerations that a warren buffett fundamental investor is looking at and he's got a long time horizon i'm buying this company because it's a good company and i'm buying it at a price today um, that is below its what I believe to be its current market value. Okay. Um, what that means is at any given point in time, I want to make sure that I'm getting this thing at a discount to what it's actually worth. Right, and right. the trajectory will go up for it. So then therefore you'll go from, let's say, the $2 mark to your $4 mark right. possibly in the future. Exactly. Um, and you know, the other reason you do that is it, he, you know, Warren Buffett kind of refers to that as the margin of error. Um, it's the, if my projection of this company is wrong, am I still buying it at enough of a, of a discount that it's still a good price, right? right. Mm-hmm. That I'm right. buying it for. Right. Um, a technical investor on the other side is, you know, you've probably looked at charts, right? And you've seen those green bars and the red, red bars, bars and it's up and down. And I'm looking at this, the, the price movement, a technical investor is, is much more, um, interested in price movement. Um, and what movements in price suggest for future movements in price. So how long would, would you recommend, I want to say, like, do you look back a year pertaining to the stock? Yeah. Or do you go back as far as, as, far as you can? So a, a fundamental investor mm-hmm. is looking at years worth of financial statements. 
Um, oh. So they're looking at, you know, three years at a minimum worth of its past financial performance mm-hmm. to make determinations of what that future financial performance will look like. And a technical, that, a, a technical, um, you could, you know, th- th- they exist on different scales. So I can be look at, looking at a one day chart. <laughs> I can be looking at a 50 day chart. I can be looking at a 15 minute chart. And what that stock right. price has done in the right. last 15, mi- 15 minutes. And then, then they'll just go at it. And that's why they, they typically um, are the day traders, right? Because they're in and out of stock. Right. Warren Buffett is going to buy something because this is a good company. I'm going to hold this. Hold it for right? a minute. And the cash flow and dividend that this, this stock is going to pay um, is going to generate a return for me. Um, and then the value of that company itself will also appreciate over time. That's how they're investing. Okay. A technical so- investor is... Ups and downs mm-hmm. and patterns that are created by that ups and down. Right. What that could potentially mean for the future direction of that price. But it's much more psychological than it is fundamentally the underlying company. Ultimately, what I'm looking for when I'm looking at those bars and charts is I'm looking for what is the market doing with respect to this stock. Right. Not what the financials say, not what the fundamental performance of that company stay. Yeah. But what is the market sentiment? What are other buyers and sellers doing and how are they treating the stock? Gotcha. I'm riding that wave. So I'm hearing these terms from you, um, technical and fundamental. Is are we basically is it the same thing as saying short term investor and long term investor? Are those different things also? They're 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 correlated. So I would say that a fundamental investor tends to be much more long term in their investment horizon okay. than a technical investor. Okay. Yeah, I I think you can draw that that correlation for okay. sure. Cool. Yeah. A technical investor is not necessarily a short term investor and a right. fundamental investor is not necessarily a long term investor, but they're correlated for sure. Right. Okay. Um but just gonna get back to like you know, you, you can get so deep into each one of these areas, like I was right. just saying while we were off uh, off camera, right? Mm. Um, but, you know, fundamental is about, I'm going to project what the future cash flow of this company is and then determine how much I'm willing to buy those future cash flows for today. That's ultimately what a fundamental um, investor is doing. Okay. Um, and they do that by way of what's called a discounted cash flow model. We'll probably save that for another time, like getting into the details of that. But mm-hmm. just understand that that's what a fundamental investor is doing to determine whether the price that I'm buying this company for today, it's trading at $40 a share today. Is that a good price? Gotcha. Right? right. I'm going to do that analysis to determine whether $40 per share is a good price. If I do my analysis and it says $50 per share, but it's trading for $40 per share, mm-hmm. then that's a good buy. Because I'm buying below what I believe the company is worth. Today. Correct. Right. If it's if the market value is eighty dollars per share today, and my underlying discounted cash flow model tells me fifty dollars per share, then it's overvalued, and I don't want to buy that. And you today. don't want to buy that today. That's ultimately what's happening on a fundamental side. On the technical side, I am looking at price movement, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to assess how the market is reacting to this stock. Um, it's about market sentiment, and in a lot of situations, look at like a GameStop. Um, what was happening with GameStop was much more technical than it was fundamental. There was no underlying right, fundamental. I feel like for from what direction. from what you've been saying today, you're more of a fundamentalist. I'm, I'm hugely a fundamentalist, which tends to be less sexy. Right, but right. then but the same thing. You as a fundamentalist of stood back on the GameStop and just on the style sideline like no no this no this isn't my play but yeah. the day the the possible day traders and the other technical people and stuff they're like I want in yeah yeah 
I, I, but the, and then you but you also had a crowd of people who were just like I want in because everybody else wants in groupies right not right? knowing what not, not knowing, knowing what the hell's going what they on were doing. Okay. so so yeah like you you have you have a few different participants right mm-hmm. let me ask you now I always like I always say this on the show and stuff whatever you have the have and the have nots the haves we'll say they're the not even the one percent we'll say they're the ten percenters right how come the the haves don't try to help and educate the have-nots to prevent the have-nots coming to try and take from the haves. Because it's kind of like, you live in a slap-ass mansion across the way. I'm over here in this shack with like me and my eight kids. Right. What the hell stopped me from running up in your spot, whatever, because you're not giving us the know-how or the teachings or the blessings to kind of not come run up on you. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's a good question, right? Mm -hmm. I think, I don't think that they're thinking that far out right like mm. they're looking right in front of them and they're trying to protect what it is that they have right in front of them for themselves um there's winners and there's losers so on every trade there is a winner and there is a loser there's mm. somebody who bought something that has a lot of value mm-hmm. yeah there's somebody who sold it and probably didn't know the value that what they just sold had right right, right. and so if i i would say that if people some people may feel that if i empower everybody to kind of have equal information to me, mm-hmm. um, maybe there's less opportunities for me to take advantage of because the, you know, the markets are much more efficient and everybody is privy to the same information. I may not find the diamond in a rough opportunity because this guy doesn't know what he has. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm trying to protect my, my, uh, my domain and domain my and world your- that I understand because if you don't understand it, that's one more opportunity for, for you to, to get take take something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see this yeah. all the time, right? Like yeah. in the like in the ends where I'm from, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got door knock like on the real estate side, you got door knockers that'll knock on the door and be like, hey man, you know, nice house, I'll offer you five hundred thousand dollars for your house right now. Right. right? Yeah. And that may change a family's life in the ends. Right. It's like five hundred dollars. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Where do I sign? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, as you know, maybe a developer has come to you and understands like, yo, I, I have zoning to create a shopping plaza, the next Yorkdale here. Right? Five, yeah, I will pay five hundred thousand for it, knowing that it's actually worth thirteen million. Right? I don't see if, why not. <laughs> if, I tell, if I if I go to you and I say, "Hey, man, let me let me tell you, this property right here is worth thirteen million dollars." That's one less opportunity for me to like Facts. right, right, right. Facts. Facts. when you can right? snatch it for such a cheaper price and stuff, whatever, and everything like and that. And you feel like you're happy because you don't you're none the wiser, you're none right? The wiser. Right, right. Five hundred thousand changed my life. I'm out. It's and so, like, I, I think there's a lot of that 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 that's going on in the market. Do you think a lot of people have access to financial literacy to, I want to say, to shrink that gap between the haves and the have-nots? Do you think like in the world we live in with like public information, internet, conversations like this, podcasts, because there's tons of financial podcasts out there and then there's tons of situations where a person might know a money person like such as yourself yeah. and they might get the little Q&A get the, get the moments Q&A. and stuff right. like that or just rub shows like, hey, hey, yeah, 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 hit no, me no, on to some things. Yeah, sure. Help change my life. Right. No, it's 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 more accessible and it's better than it's ever been, right? Nice. And um, like because you know society is is democratizing more and more every day, right? Like access to information is much more readily available for people than it was ten years ago. Yeah, with right. the Internet and with access to people and social media, I can ask this person. Um, so I think it's it's definitely moving and trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but there still is a school of people that are hugging their their power. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm like, which I mean, I mean, if they're playing the game, it's I mean, it's like Monopoly, right? Like you're playing the game to win. You're not gonna 
educate the next person who's, it, who's playing the game also. And where does the moral yeah. kick in though? Where's the moral yeah. moral and principle kick in yeah, though? But, uh, how many you know how many people in this world you know operate on morals and principles? My bad. <laughs> I <laughs> apologize. I think once more people start to realize, like especially people from our community start to realize that like um if we do work together, because that's how a lot of communities, you know, kind of step themselves out and yes. out of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, it does, cr- it does require some working together. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so you can't just like, you know, clutch what you got and like, right, you know, right, hold it right. to yourself. You do have to work with people to get there. Right. Um, so we, we need more, we need more of that at the very least. Cause I, all right, I remember I had an old, I had an OG and stuff that the family knows. Yeah. And my man came to me. I think we were talking about, I was talking about money with someone else and he said, oh, you have a little knowledge. Mm. So I said, yeah. And then he explained to what company, a specific bank he works for, what he does and everything like that. Right. I'm like, help a young man. I was help, young. I was under than 30. I'm like, yeah. help me to yeah. Bo- yeah, yeah, so yeah, I can yeah. help others yeah. so we could be good. And the man's like, why is I like, throwing pearls to swine? I'm like, we're going to be in this rat race forever. And they're yeah, going to yeah. come to the position where they're going to come and want to take what you got. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I, I, like I said, I think the information is out there, um, but sometimes you don't know the question to ask, right? Yeah, and that's true. what I think people can, you know, can can help you with. So even like a podcast like this, mm-hmm. I was just saying, like it it, it goes so deep, mm-hmm. and you're not going to cover everything, everything, everything right? Right. Um, but at the very least, if there's something that caught your attention, like you can go down that rabbit hole on your own right? until and, and it's, until it's you, out there to yeah. develop the question until yeah. you develop the question it's like I I heard something that piqued my interest let me go down that rabbit hole a bit let me start to flesh that out I'm gonna come out with even more questions mm-hmm. but I can continue to, to ask and kind of throw it out into the universe and get right. those answers so it's, it's better than it's than it's ever been um, I think for me uh, one thing that really helped me was um, you know because again my first foray into finance was my education, right? So right. I kind of studied finance and then got into finance for myself and, and whatnot. Um, and that was helpful. So, you know, I, I hear a lot of people um, that ask me like, yo, how much did your schooling help? Mm-hmm. Um, and it did. Like it exposed me to a world that I had no, no idea access right. to before. Okay. Yeah. Correct. Coming from where we come from. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So that was that was that was big. Um, and the fact of the matter is like, even for myself, like I kind of stumbled into it when I started, uh, in university, I was kind of like an undecided major for the first few months. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, I remember seeing, um, uh, the Rotman school on campus and the kids were dressed sharp and they were in business suits. And I was kind of like, that looks kind of dope and started to like, kind of, you know, inch towards finance and then ended up, you know, getting into that program and kind of, that was, that was it for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but Again, it starts with examples. And I think one thing that was, was helpful for me was actually getting some access to it, right? Like seeing, seeing it. it. Um, but yeah, we need, we need much more of that, you know, where I come from anyway, right? Like it, you just don't know what you don't know. It, it's funny because I remember, I remember the first stock that I, I bought and it was, um, it was a friend of mine who's like, yeah, man, I just, I just heard this thing over, over, uh, I don't know what he was listening to. And it was, um. That, that group, The Motley Fool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you pay a certain amount and then they tell you what to invest in and so forth like that. And it's like, I always wanted to to get into stock, yeah, yeah. but I never had the knowledge, right? right. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're, you know, they're talking about this this one stock. So I think it, the stock they were talking about was the the, NX, the NXPI, which they were doing all the technology for the uh, 
like the the credit cards, the chip, okay, okay. and the and the, and the phones. So all the swipe, it, it there's that the transaction stuff like that. They were involved in that. Okay, right? sure. So it's like, yeah, it's gonna be big. That's where everything's going. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's cool and so forth like that. So, so I ended up investing in that. Sure. Not really knowing what, what the game what, is, yeah, yeah. how the game is, how the game is played, right? Right. right. So it's like, I got in. I think I got in around, I want to say maybe seventeen ninety five a share was was when I got in, or maybe it might have been a little bit higher than that, yeah. right? But then. As soon as I got in, the the prices started going down. I'm like, I'm like, shit. Abort, abort, abort. I'm abort. losing money. Like, right, I'm, right, I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm losing money. I'm like, yeah, right. man, I, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be playing this right away without understanding, understanding what's what going, on, what's going on, right? So mm-hmm. I said, I said to wifey, I said, you know what? As soon as it gets back to close to what we we paid for it, yeah. I'm just gonna sell it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So that's what we did. As soon as it got close to where where it was. Mm-hmm. We sold, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Almost a year later. So let's say, no, I bought it at 20, yeah. right? Yeah. It went down to 17. I think it got as low as like 16. I'm okay. like, man, as soon as it goes back to 20, I'm out. I went back to 20. Mm. I sold the stocking and went out. Never paid attention to it. This, that, and a third and so forth like that. Probably about a year later, mm. I went back and said, let me look at this stock. Mm. When I went back, Thing was at a hundred bucks a share, yeah. And I was saying to myself, "Damn, damn, not being educated." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not being educated, I missed out. Yeah, right. Not understanding. A lot of times, when the money goes out, it's it's just the company investing the money in other Other things. things. Which, as a company growing, that's what they need to do. Right. So there's a. I mean. That that in of itself is is the trap that a lot of fine people find themselves in, right? So, like we were just talking about buying low and selling high, right? Right. right. That's what I was just about to say. But we like in that scenario, it's you bought high and you sold low. Yes. Right. Um, which is you know which is the the opposite of what you the, the game that you should be playing, right? You're buying low and you're selling high. If you're if you're not doing like that that short position that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. right? Right. So a lot of people see that price movement. And they get scared out of a stock, right? So it's mm. like, ah, I'm just, I'm, I'm out, yeah. I'm out. But that's contrary to the game that you should be playing if you're buying low and, and selling high. Um, but it does start with understanding what you're buying and whether that price that you paid, yeah, as a fundamental investor, is it worth twenty dollars, right? Right. If it went to seventeen and it was worth twenty dollars, mm-hmm. right, from my fundamental analysis, yeah. I'm buying some more. Right. Right. Like I'm increasing my position. Uh, right. I'm not right. selling. I'm saying, oh, like I'm saying it's a sale. It's a sale. Yes. It's on it's sale. A sale. Yes. Scoop. Yes. Right? Drops the 10. I'm saying, oh, yo, buy, buy more, buy more. Right. 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 Um, but it also, it always starts with what is it fundamentally worth. Right. And that's the piece that was missing in that equation. Yeah. Right? It was that $20 that you bought it for. Yeah. Did you do that assessment to say, yo, you know what? $20 is actually a good price, price to buy it at. Right. Right. If it dropped to 17, that's an even better, better price, price to buy, to buy, it, buy at. it at. I'm going to cop, cop some more. Right. Um, so that's, that's where kind of doing that, that fundamental analysis and that hmm. due diligence comes. It's, it's, there's a lot of good companies. Like Amazon's a great company. Yeah. It's a great company. Right. Yeah. Is the price that it's currently trading at worth it though? Yeah, Amazon, mm-hmm. it's too rich for my blood. But that's it. You know, it, you, you, it's, it's, you have to ask yourself what is a fair price to pay, pay for, Amazon. for Amazon, right? You know, right. I look at Tesla. I 
Tesla as a company yeah. is an amazing company with huge potential and huge growth opportunity. Absolutely. Right. Is the price that it's trading at right now worth, worth it? it? Yeah. Right? It's, Tesla's going to be around. Amazon's going to be around. Like the, the stock price, I think people uh, sometimes misinterpret that this, the stock price, the stock price is just a function of buyers and sellers of something. Mm-hmm. If a lot of people want it, price is going to go up. up. If people don't want it, the price is going to go down. Right. Um, all of that has nothing to do with how the company is actually doing. Mm. <laughs> right? Okay. You know, so when you look at that company now and you kind of look at it from a fundamental perspective, you can arrive at, you know what? Amazon is worth $30 a share, $3,000 a share. Right. Right? Maybe it's worth $4,000 a share. Maybe it's still at a discount, but you have to do that initial price assessment to determine what is a fair price to pay for it. Gotcha. Got because what's happening in the market is not directly tied to the, company. the performance of the company itself. Right, right. Okay. How long would you would you say an average person would take to kind of learn, I want to say the basics of like, how long it, w- it would take to initial, for initial paper. So let's say if he was to do his thing in January, would you say like, come June, he'll have the knowledge to know for a fact it's going to go down and it's going to go up and it will go up, it'll go up kind of nice? Or would it be a situation where you don't know per stock and you just take the chances of gambling with the money that you're not never going to get back? Yeah, like it's it's a good question, right? It's Mm -hmm. um, So uh, Warren Buffett has a quote. um, I'm going to paraphrase it. It's actually more of a story, right? He talks about the market being um, the market being like Cinderella at the ball. Oh, right. Okay. And dancing in a room, but you're dancing in a room where the clock has no hands. Right. So you don't know what, you know that it's going to strike. It's going to strike midnight at some point in time. The, game, the right. game is going to come to an end. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And you got to be out. Um, but you don't know when that's happening. Cause you're, you're enjoying the ball, but the clock has no has hands. No hands. hands. When, you don't know when midnight right. is going to strike. Right. Right. And I like that. It, it just goes to say that you can't time the market, right? You don't know mm. when certain things are going to happen. Um, but what you can what you can do is assess at a given point in time whether you believe there's fundamental value in what it is that you're buying. Got right? it. I so like, like that. Yeah. Right? So like, is there a right time or a wrong, wrong time, time to buy something? No. Not necessarily. It's what is it doing right now? Do your assessment and determine whether that price is a fair price to pay for it. Right. Right. Um, and if it is, pick it up. Yeah. And if it goes even lower, pick more. Pick up more. Right. Right. As long as it f- fits your thesis. But everybody, the, the other thing is that everybody's thesis is different. So my discounted cash flow analysis and what I project the company to be worth may be different from somebody else's. Correct. Right. Um, but if I'm right or wrong, as long as I've done that assessment, I'm okay with the result. That's how I look at it. Hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I dig that. I see a lot of people um, buying penny stocks. Yeah. What what what's that? What's that all about? Can you explain the, a situation there in that in that? Yeah. So 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 I don't buy penny stocks personally again because that wouldn't be a fundamentalist thing. Yeah. This, again, it's not really fundamental. Hey, that's, hey that's I'm getting smarter. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say yeah, the same thing. Like, yeah. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. Well, you know. So, so like penny stocks, right? Penny stocks typically trade like so. Let's look in the Canadian context. Penny stocks typically trade on the venture exchange. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the venture exchange are new companies, right? right. Um, those new companies aren't mature to a point where they are paying dividends, mm-hmm. right? So, 
if you're a fundamentalist, it's very difficult for you to assess. Like when you look at their financials, right? The financial statements. They don't have really they don't that have, much history. They don't have any, right? Right, right. They, right. There's no track record. There's new. There's no track record. Can't determine how profitable you're going to be. It's very speculative. Got it. Right? It's, I'm, it's you're buying a storyline, right? You're buying a storyline. While the story is still being written. While the story is still being written. Right. So it's it's much more of a crapshoot. Now, the reason why people yeah. may have a propensity for penny stocks mm. um, is somewhat flawed uh, because you think that you're buying something that's really cheap. Right. 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 Um, now, it's that that sentiment is flawed because whether I pay a hundred dollars per share or a penny per share, it's the movement in that stock that's going to determine what my return is. So. If I buy something for a hundred dollars and it, you know, it increases by a hundred percent, then I've made a hundred percent return on my money. Right. If I buy a penny stock mm-hmm. and it increases by ten percent, then I've made ten percent on my money. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, just because you're buying something cheap doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get a higher return on it. Right. Um, so that's one of the like the um, I guess the misrepresentations that people have about buying penny stock. Now it is. True that very early stage companies that have a lot of growth potential and end up doing well can, you know, blow it out the water as far as their appreciation goes. Right. right. So I think I think people get caught up in in that potential. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's almost like gambling at that point. It's you're, you're rolling the He's dice. Like and you're, saying, mm. you're rolling the dice. You're rolling yeah. the dice with those. Right. That's not what I do with stock. I don't roll. I'm not a. I don't roll the dice. You're a fundamentalist. I'm a fundamentalist. Right. I'm, one of, I'm a bootleg fundamentalist after this podcast because I'm going to go back <laughs> and listen to this podcast my damn self. Which, which isn't sexy, right? Because like the majority of people are looking for that. Yo, I bought this at a penny and it went to 100 bucks and it's kind of like, all right, you, you, all right, you scratch, you know, do scratch, yeah. do a scratch ticket yeah. Right. Yeah. or yeah. play the lotto, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to buy Royal Bank. I bought a lot of Royal and I bought a lot of bank stocks um, in March of of um, 2020? 2020 okay um just because fundamentally the price was at a 30 percent, 40 percent discount to my fundamental assessment of what the price should be right okay so it was just like yeah i'm buying that all day and rbc and scotia bank and cibc aren't the sexiest stock on the but it's it's at a 30 percent discount right now it's okay you don't gotta have the baddest bitch on the block and i'm saying i just you want have the, the good woman exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly right. so, so, you, the woman you're gonna appreciate over time so, fine wine so 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 that's that's kind of how i view stock and the reason for that is um i take a lot of risks mm-hmm. in other areas than my stock investing right because right? you already got your nest egg and stuff with these things well it, what, what it is is like there's a number of like entrepreneurial ventures that I'm a part of mm-hmm. that are like high risk, right? Right. So I'm already parking money in some high risk things. So this is your stability one right here. St- I, my my stock portfolio yeah. is my stable investment portfolio. I don't take mm-hmm. a lot of risk there because mm-hmm. I'm already I'm already rolling you're, dice you're, with, you're that, with that. Right, 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 right. You're right. soon elsewhere. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yo, go ahead. I always hear them say. Um, it's good to diversify yeah. your portfolio. Sure. What does that mean? So that means just don't put all your eggs in one, one basket. basket, right? Okay. So, you know, if you have $100,000 and you put it in that one penny stock, right? right, And that penny stock goes south, 
that's it. That's it. The right. game is game is over, right? Mm. Uh, versus if you take that hundred thousand dollars and you put a little bit here and a little bit here, and maybe what you do is you put some stuff in some riskier things, mm-hmm. right? Like 30% of it, I'm going to put in the risky stuff that has huge growth potential. Right. And the other 70%, I'm going to put in something that's a bit stable. safer, more stable. more stable. Yeah. Um, that's what diversification is. It's just ensuring that you're not, um, you know, in any one or few specific things that can go south. Okay. You're kind of much more diversified and you have, uh, you know, much more exposure to a variety of things than any one thing. Okay. Nice. And, and, and essentially... Like mutual funds would would be like yeah, so, sort of so a mutual sort of fund tr- tries to do that right a mutual fund is you're investing in this fund that fund is made up of a variety of, of a variety of things right with the the ETF, the ETF that you're about. Right. same thing right you're you're investing in a thing but underlying that thing is many things right 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 so you're now exposed to many things rather than one thing mm-hmm. right um and so the the you know the the basket of those many things is doing a bunch of things um the ETF is performing based on the the full basket. So if one thing is doing poorly, but something else is doing well, yeah. it kind of nets out. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Could you explain Bitcoin for us dummies? I'll I'll be the first leader on the dummy line to tell you. No, I'll be. I'll I don't be the, know. I'll be the caboose following up, following it. Yeah, because right yeah. I want to say like one of the one of the ask the sons questions and stuff. Whatever. One day they were saying like, is there something that you don't under fully fully understand grasp of? Yeah. I threw my hand up real quick and said Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Explain Bitcoin for us, because I feel like with cryptocurrency, it's gonna be here. Yeah, but I don't understand the stuff like the dynamics of it, like the basic stuff. So elaborate for for the people. And if you can, I remember. I remember I asked you this question: yeah. Is it feasible to get in now? Being yeah. that it's such a high value, sure, and it doesn't make sense. Again, that thing go to three thousand one time and it dropped down to like sixty five. So like. Yeah, Bitcoin okay. is volatile. Okay, um, okay. So Bitcoin, there's 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 two sides, like really two conversations to have when you're talking about cryptocurrency. Mm. Um, there's the technology, mm-hmm. right, and right. then there's the financial aspect of the of of Bitcoin. Okay. The technology front, just to put it as simply as possible, um, Bitcoin was the first uh, of its kind. It's a it's a digital asset that's mm-hmm. traded on what's called uh that's on a blockchain network and ultimately what a blockchain is it's a distributed ledger that can't be hacked it can't be manipulated what it says is the truth at any given point in time got it um i can dive into the technology more but if you can accept that fundamental fact that the whole you know breakthrough technology for bitcoin is that what the ledger says is truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is what Bitcoin has achieved. Um, maybe to take it a level, like you just go a, another level underneath it. Whenever we have, um, you know, settlements, right? In a bank, mm-hmm. um, you transfer money to me, mm-hmm. right? Say I'm transferring like a million. You're transferring, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a normal day, right? Yeah. So you transfer me a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. That's a damn normal day, man. Hey, yeah, hey man, man, mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> transfer me a million dollars, right? In that process, your bank... Has to ver- you have to trust your bank for one right. that they're going to send me the million dollars. Right, right. You have to trust your bank that you know they've looked at your account and they've actually made that transfer. I have to trust my bank that they received that transfer. Are, are, are these ba- the, these the days where they're they're holding the funds? Well, to, to kind of to, verify, you, you verify. There's all these settlements and checks that need to be made before right. both parties say, "All right, the actual well, funds were transferred. This is legit. They're legit. Yeah, everything is cool." 
all right, everybody can go your separate ways, right? Right. Um, now, what blockchain technology has achieved is the ability to remove third-party verification. So you don't, I don't need to trust anybody that this transaction has taken place. So as you know, it's concrete that I have a mill to transfer you to you. You me a mill. I received that mill on the blockchain. Um, the blockchain cannot be, like, cannot be manipulated. Nobody can hack the blockchain and manipulate that transaction in any way. It is what it is. Okay. If, if, without diving deeper into like how the technology makes that possible, yeah, right, right? because that's a that's a whole that's other, a whole, that's a whole different thing, thing. Yeah. right? Cryptographic hashes and like how that can't be manipulated in any way. That's all like a whole hour and a half by itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then if you have quantum computing, the world is 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 at risk anyway. So why would so if we can just accept that the Bitcoin ledger or the blockchain ledger is fact, that helps the conversation. Okay, okay, okay. so. What blockchain has done is established that when transactions take place, they are fact. Mm. Okay. Um, now, why that's huge is now you don't need to rely on third-party institutions to verify that these things are happening. Mm. Um, I can transact directly with you. Uh, once you know the Bitcoin that I transfer you is received, you know that it's received. You transfer me Bitcoin, I know that it's received, and we don't have to rely on anybody. Right? So, is it is it like a coin coin itself? It's not. It's actually just a. It's it's all digital. Right, right, right. So it's it's digital. It's not anything physical that you can hold. It's no, because I, I seen a few. Touch. I've seen like when in the downtown vicinity of Toronto, yeah. I seen a lot of um, machines that say or, or stores that say Bitcoin machine available. Yeah. So I'm like, what do you do with that? So so what you, what you do with that is you can actually buy and sell Bitcoin through those machines. Oh, um, but there's nothing physical in that transaction. So you would like literally log in, put your you bank buy, card in, and right. You can download the Bitcoin to your phone. Um, and when I say phone, I'm talking about, um, you know, your a wallet that you're going to hold that Bitcoin in. Mm -hmm. um, okay. You could download it to uh, like a Trezor. Like there's different ways that you can hold your Bitcoin. You can hold it on an exchange. You can you can hold your Bitcoin in different places. But the, the whole point of the blockchain is that at any given point in time, I can see where that Bitcoin is. Right. Right. right? That's the technology side. I'm, I'm happy to come back and like dive into the technology some more. Oh, we would we'll love to have yeah, you. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll love to we'll have see, you. Because what I'm pretty sure after this, people are going to have more questions. Sure. People will stalk you. Yeah. Hey, I, hey, I mean, you know, I'm already <laughs> working with a few of those, but yeah, hey, it's, hey, it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> all right. So, um, but that, what, I was, what I was going to say though, is the other side to the equation is the finance side the of finance. Bitcoin. Right. Okay. right. So there's the technology, technology side. I'm keeping it very simple with the technology because it's just, uh, you know, it's a dis uh, distributed ledger that can't be manipulated it's fact we can transact without a third without, without a third, third party, party. third party being a bank third party being a bank okay right we don't got to verify shit right that's it's, the beautiful thing it, it verifies itself it verifies itself whatever and that's what high exchange dollars and stuff whatever as well right yeah. i think that's the beautiful thing yeah. because now when you're explaining the stuff like that yeah i want to say even if you deposit like a check for like 10 grand or something like that Banks is like, look, we're going to have to check what's up. We're going to allow you to hold this for we're gonna gonna allow you this monkey ass <laughs> amount right here to use yep. while we go through this and stuff. For the yeah. Just make sure that this is legit. Yeah, right. we got to yeah. make sure stuff for the, but like, it's like, boom, boom, instant. Hey, try, try, try sending money overseas and see how long and how costly that is. Mm. Because now you have, you know, without getting too deep into it, you have, I, I may be RBC. Mm -hmm. um, and then transferring money from RBC to CIBC and through a wire may not be difficult to do, right? Mm -hmm. But transfer some money overseas. If I'm a bank that doesn't have a relationship with the bank that I'm sending to, I need to now find a bank that I have a relationship with that then has a relationship with, with the bank that it's being sent to 
Jeez. Oh, so you need a third party, third party. You need a third, third party, party, third, third party, party to the third party. And sometimes it gets really, you know, sometimes it's like, well, this bank has a relationship with us, so we'll send it here. That bank has a relationship with that bank that then has a relationship with that bank to right. get it to where you need to go. Right. And so it goes through all of these hands and costs because somebody has to pay to verify and for it to go through that chain to actually get mm. to where it needs to be. Right. So even like an ascending point like that, you can say you're going to send a million. And because people are eating off their fees and stuff for the transaction, that mill might cut down and stuff. When it gets to you, it's like, all right, you know I'm saying? I got my 900,000. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. right. So, so, so yeah, like, I mean, the, the system, the, the traditional banking system is not super efficient. Right. Right. There's, there's all of these breaks and gaps that don't make it a super efficient system. With Bitcoin, I can send. Uh, you know, Bitcoin from here to whoever, wherever, without any third-party intervention, and it's in, it's pretty much instantly available once okay. the the blockchain validates that transaction. Okay. Um, a, a lot more to that, but that's the technology, the finance now. Right? That's what I was gonna say. When we get into the finance piece, yeah, that finance piece and techno that technology piece. I like how the technology piece works when yeah. you're saying with the blockchain, mm -hmm. but the finance piece and stuff is what's kind of scary sure sure like how, you know how much is bitcoin worth like is it a good price like you know right buy it? right so, so a couple of things um one is understanding that a bitcoin mm -hmm. a single bitcoin like a people regard a single bitcoin as oh well i don't have enough to buy a bitcoin a bitcoin right now is probably trading at like say sixty thousand dollars canadian or something like that right Ooh. um so Bruh. that's one coin <laughs> that's one coin right one Bitcoin, Bruh. but Bitcoin, a uh, Bitcoin is divisible into eight decimal points. So you don't got to buy a full Bitcoin. Oh, right. So the same way that a dollar, um, you know, like the smallest div um, divisible unit of a dollar would be a penny. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. You can hold a divisible unit of a Bitcoin down to eight decimal points. Got right. It. Got so, it. you know, if you want to hold 300, $400 worth of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a Bitcoin, you can do that. Okay. Okay. Right. You don't need to buy a full unit of a Bitcoin. Okay. So okay. that's, that's one thing to kind of highlight that I think um, people kind of like get scared off off the bat. Cause it's like, Oh, it's $60,000. I can't afford that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well buy $300 worth of a unit of a fraction of a Bitcoin. Right. Okay. I feel, brave. My whole I feel, thing feel was, better now. I feel better now. Cause my whole thing is right? like, yeah. I wouldn't mind getting into the game, but at 60,000, I could never get in. Who but now that you're saying here? that, now that you're saying, no, it's not. You don't have to. You don't look at it as sixty thousand to buy one bitcoin. And you look at it as how much money do you have to invest? Right. And then that money is now saying, okay, you can buy point 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 with this. Correct. Got it. In the same way that a dollar can be, you know, I can have I can have a quarter mm. of a dollar. That's what twenty five cents is, right? Right. I can have a penny of a dollar. It's just one percent of a whole dollar. Right. 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 You can do the same thing with bitcoin down to eight decimal points which is much more divisible than a dollar because yeah, a dollar. the smallest unit of a dollar is a penny. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so that's, that's one. Um, now like the underlying value of Bitcoin, um, this is where it gets kind of controversial because mm. everybody has their own valuation methodology and what a Bitcoin should be worth. Um, personally, I think at the very minimum, uh, Bitcoin can be worth half a million dollars a coin. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so when you talk about sixty thousand dollars a coin, it's a steal. Yeah, it's a steal right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Bitcoin's on sale right now. Right. <laughs> wow. um, right. 
and you know and it's you know coming off of a time where you know like years ago when you could buy a bitcoin for ten dollars or eight bucks right for a single bitcoin those guys have made a lot of money yeah because they paid eight dollars for a coin and now it's worth six thousand right 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 um there's a lot of people kicking themselves over the years that you know treated bitcoin um like it was you know, like it was like this gamer digital money. It was yeah, a novelty, novelty right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of threw it into the ether and whatever happens to what happens to it. There's like a, a few like these uh, novel cases where there's the Domino's Pizza example where somebody traded, um, I think it was like 10,000 Bitcoin at the time for two Domino's pizzas. Yeah. Right. Um, imagine <laughs> they held on to 10,000 Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. They yeah. traded that 10,000. There's people who have jumped off of buildings, committed suicide because they had 10,000 Bitcoin and traded it for nothing at the time because it was just a novelty. novelty right. Um, there's a case of a guy who had a hard drive with, I want to say it was like a quarter, quarter billion dollars worth of Bitcoin on it. And oh, he damn. lost the hard drive. Oh no. Ultimately determined that it got thrown out in the trash. And so he's oh. actually gone back to the city and he's like, look, I will give you twenty five percent of the value when I get when, when I, get I find this. my hard drive in the dump site. He's raised, I can't remember how much money. I think like fifty million dollars from investors who are willing to invest the money necessary to, to dig find up, it to dig up the dump. Wow! Right? They will get fifty percent of the total value of what's on that hard drive, and he will get the other twenty five percent. And he's saying, I will donate the other twenty five percent to the city. Just give me access to the dump. Yeah. To dig up my hard drive, yeah. please. Right? Um, and oh. of course, the city has said no because it's a hazard and da-da-da-da-da. He's like lobbying and trying to like... Oh, it hurts me to my heart. Wow. So, so all that to say, like Bitcoin has kind of... It's gone through these motions of being worthless to being something that is coveted now that people want a part of. Yeah. Right. Um, but the way that I think people view or somebody like me who has a certain outlook on Bitcoin... Um, consider Bitcoin to be like digital gold. Um, and that's how I arrive at that half a million dollar price point for a single Bitcoin. Right. Um, so that 60, that 60 is really a sale. That $60,000 is cheap is if it? you believe that Bitcoin can be used as a digital gold. Okay. So I got to explain that a little bit, mm -hmm. right? So Bitcoin was initially supposed to be a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, cash, yeah. Right? It was supposed to be something that, you know, I could transfer to you in exchange for goods and services in the way that I use dollars to transact. Right. right. Um, over time, Bitcoin hasn't been the greatest unit of exchange in that way. It hasn't been great at being a unit as an exchange for, you know, market, market. and, trans and right. transactions. Got it. Because it's highly volatile and you never know what the price of it is today is versus tomorrow. tomorrow. Um, just doesn't work really good. Um, as that type of financial instrument. Do you think it would, they'll master it in like less than a decade? It's, it's, so, so Bitcoin itself is kind of Bitcoin itself. It can't be changed. It can't be can altered. Be. It, is, it is what it is. Gotcha. Um, it, can be, it can fork into different protocols. That's kind of another conversation for another time. Mm -hmm. um, there's something that has kind of forked off the original Bitcoin model called Bitcoin Cash that was trying to get back to the concept of it being a more peer, cash peer, transaction peer, type right, thing. Right. But in any event, the fundamental Bitcoin that we're talking about mm -hmm. has functioned much more like a form of digital gold. And when I say digital gold, I, I refer to it as a store of wealth. So 
throughout history, we've used bars of gold mm -hmm. as a store of wealth. Right. Correct. Um, when markets are tanking, when there's a lot of uncertainty, gold is always king. People have said, flee to gold. Right. You know, hold gold. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people tend to think that Bitcoin is a better form of gold than gold in the financial markets. Right. This is, I guess, this is why we're seeing a lot of large companies now, now starting to start into Bitcoin. It's a part of your treasury should be held in gold. A part of your treasury should be held in Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Why? It's an uncorrelated asset. So it doesn't tend to perform similar to the market. When, when the markets are down, the markets are down. Right. Right. Um, you know, a lot of stocks tend to be correlated. When the markets aren't doing too well, you see the, the, you know, the whole market fall. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Bitcoin is uncorrelated in that way. It doesn't tend to move along with the market. So you want to hedge your investments with having some of Bitcoin because it doesn't tend to move mm -hmm. along with the rest of the market. So that's got one. it. Got Two, it. Um, and, and gold has done the same thing historically, and that's why people hold some of their wealth in, in gold. Right. One of the reasons why you hold gold is um, it's it's a finite resource. So there's only so much gold in, in the world. The world, right. Um, I think, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think there's about 190,000 tons of gold that have actually been mined and are above ground on earth right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And that total 190,000 tons of gold is worth um, like say $10 trillion. Right. If you, if you look at the price of gold times the total amount, amount. Of gold, right. All of the gold above ground right now is worth about $10 trillion. Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Uh, and that $10 trillion holds that value because it's kind of been absorbed by the financial markets as this hedge to the markets, it's a place to park your money. Mm. Um, it's divisible. So if I want to split a bar of gold, I can melt it down. I can do that. Whatever. Um, if I need to move it, it's a physical thing that can be moved from one place to another. another. It ain't that light. It's heavy as shit. Exactly. <laughs> which, is, which is a good segue, right? Mm -hmm. Now, people are like, you know what? We've historically used this gold as this financial instrument to perform this function because it's divisible and it can be transferred. Um, and because it's finite in its quantity, but we now have Bitcoin, which does all of that mm. much more efficiently. Without the weight. Without the weight. I don't have to like, if I want to transfer my wealth from here to another place, I don't have to board my gold on a plane and, right. and take off across the sea. Like, and typically yeah. and when you hire buy people with guns to, to secure my gold and make sure that nobody steals my gold. Right. And typically when you buy gold or, or any type of precious metal, you're, you're doing it by the ounce. So there is a, there is a weight tied to it. Abs absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So it's, it's not the, it's kind of been this traditional financial instrument that we've adopted for certain qualities. Mm -hmm. But in the digital age, we have a new asset in Bitcoin mm -hmm. that satisfies the exact same things that gold does, but better. If I want to transfer okay. it from here, if I want to transfer my whole wealth from here to wherever, I can do that by clicking on my phone and it's super secure. Nobody can hack it. Nobody can this, unless you put a gun to my head and I give you my Pass security code, keys yeah. and all right. that. Um, but I don't need to hire somebody to watch my Bitcoin with guns the same way that I need to hire somebody to watch my gold with guns. Which is beautiful. Somebody's going to kick in my door and steal my gold. Right, which right. is beautiful because that's the thing. Like, a skateboarder to a working Joe will probably still have the same amount of money, like multi-millions. You're none the wiser and stuff if they're going point A to point B with their shit. Yeah. No idea, right? So for, for all of those reasons, Bitcoin, because it emulates all of these qualities and factors that gold does, mm -hmm the financial markets are starting to regard it as a new alternative for to gold. Mm. So rather than storing your wealth in gold, 
Stored no, in you can Bitcoin. store your wealth in, in Bitcoin. It serves right. a very similar, Process. has very similar <laughs> properties and characteristics. Now the price point, why $500,000? Right. If you benchmark it to gold and you know that the total value of all gold above ground on earth is about $10 trillion, the current value of gold, of Bitcoin based on its price today is like $600 billion, right? Right. You would need to, the price of Bitcoin would need to increase significantly to get to a point where it's at least similar to the total value of gold. Mm, and that's okay. how you arrive at that, that price point, point for, okay. for Bitcoin. Now, you, now you, you say um, there's only so much of, of gold above ground, so it's finite. It, yeah. does, does Bitcoin have like some sort of finite, yeah, exactly. finite to it as well? Yeah. Okay. So there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin in circulation ever. And Bitcoin has a process where, you know, it's, Bitcoin is mined. I don't know if you guys have heard the term Bitcoin mining. I've, I've heard, heard that. I've heard right? it. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's called mining because similar to gold, you have to mine gold in order for there to be new gold in circulation. Correct. You have to mine Bitcoin for there to be new Bitcoin in circulation. Mm. Um, today, there's probably, you know, 17 and a half, maybe closer to 18 million. You know, don't quote me exactly. 18 million Bitcoin in circulation. Mm. Okay. Um, but the way that the code is written for Bitcoin, there will only ever be 21 million. Once the 21 millionth Bitcoin has been mined, there's no new Bitcoin. So if you don't have one of those Bitcoin units to yourself, you right. will, there will never be you another will never. one. You, you You're going to have to wait for the next storage thing to come up to be involved to in be, that. Exactly. Ah, so, so okay. And again, it's... It's, uh, it's finite characteristics and the fact that there will only be 21 million and there's 17 and a half, say, you know, just under 18 million today is the reason why there is this value associated with it because there will only, only be, be so much, much of it. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, man. Well, appreciate that. No, man. Appreciate man. that. There's a lot to unpack. We still have more, but... Another day. Another yeah, no, hey, man. No doubt, man. No doubt. No doubt. For sure. For sure. We'll get to the question of the week. We'll run it. And then, yes, people, don't be shy to stalk, carry or stalk us with your questions. <laughs> yeah. He will be back. You heard him You heard him say it himself. All right, let's get to the question of the week. What was the highest waste of money that you do not regret? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's crazy. It's a crazy story, actually. Um, and it, it hits close to home because it didn't happen th that long ago. Oh. Um, it was actually... Uh, it's interesting. I actually lost a friend mm -hmm. over a bad, over bad business dealings. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that money is lost. Um, but it's also kind of opened my eyes to that friend, to, to that, to that friend. And also just how you conduct yourself in business going forward. Explain right. a little. So uh, this was again, somebody super, super close to me, really good friend that was a business partner um, that, really, um, you know, kind of showed a different side mm -hmm. um, and ended up taking advantage of a good number of, of friends and business partners, right? Wow. Um, and, you know, you know, like I'll kind of leave it at that, but, mm -hmm. you know, in, at first it was really hard to, to digest, right? Because of this course. is somebody that, you know, you never would have thought would do something of course, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really difficult to di digest. Um, and I don't know if I call it a waste of money because I don't, at the time, I didn't think it was a waste of money, mm -hmm. but that money is gone. Right. Yeah. Um, but to see the value in a person, that's kind of priceless see, though. How, how do you put, you know, it's almost like, shoot, better that than 
than something else, then even more, more, then even right? More. Um, or, you know, if that person was still around into the future, like, oh my God, like how, what could the impact have been then? Right. So, True. so it's one of those things where, um, certain lessons you can't put a price you on. You can't, you can't, it, it was pricey. But, uh, <laughs> I can't put a price on it. You can't put a, I know you the can't price. put a price on it. But I know yeah. what the price was. You know, yeah. you know yeah. the price. Yeah. I know, you the, know price. the price. But um, yeah, it 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 opened up my eyes and the eyes of a lot of other people to um, you know, what can happen. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. What about you, Smoke? I mean, I just bought a drone and I'm loving the shit out of it. Yo. I mean, hey, man. You guys, you guys no regrets. But I got no regrets. Not, not even one letter. Not even one letter. I mean, like for me, I think it was probably just a, uh, it was a TV one time. I remember um, I went to a Best Buy. Right. And then like for my old apartment and everything like that, the guys like explained to me how far, where you're going to put the TV and where you're going to be sitting. Yeah. Right. So it's probably like smaller than the studio and stuff, whatever. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to be sitting here and it's going to be there. So the man's like, oh, you're going to need like a 32 inch TV. I'm like, you shut up and you're going to take my money, man. Yeah. I'm like, I came here for a 47 and you're going to let me spend my money for my 47. And the guy, he was trying to warm me. He's like, dude, what are you going to be doing? Are you playing Call of Duty? I'm like, you're damn right me playing Call of Duty. Right. All night long. Right. He's like, 47 inch. He's like, you might get headaches. Your eyes might hurt. I'm like, that's for me I to don't care. <laughs> don't tell me how to spend my money because I don't tell you how to spend your money. Right. That boy was right. I was all fucked up in the game. My eyes, I, I turned Asian and stuff within like two nights. I, I had headaches and everything and stuff, whatever. And then my girlfriend at the time, she looked at me, she's like, the guy warned you, didn't you? I'm like, no regrets. No regrets. Just pass no me the Advil. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to buy a bigger house. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It motivated me to get my hustle on to get a bigger space. Right. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, no further questions. That's another way to look at it. Yeah, man. No regrets, man. No regrets. No regrets, man. No regrets. All right, man. Let's get to the Ask the Sons and the slide up out of here. Um, we always give guests first shot for the questions to Ask the Sons. Fire away. Yeah, nah, man. Um, again, we all come from a similar community. Mm -hmm. um, pff, man, I, pff, man, I've known you for ever. Yeah, forever, forever, man. Forever, ever. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I know exactly where we're coming from, right? And the question that I always have is like, what are the three um, major things that you think contribute to our community, um, you know, kind of falling short of their financial goals and like, where other communities have kind of been able to excel and, and, and achieve things? Like, what are the three major setbacks that, that, that we have as a community? Um, I, I think one of the big ones is that that, that ideolo ideology of an American dream or mm. a Canadian dream. Like, mm. you, you, you build up to get yourself the, the big house with mm. the white picket fence mm. and that's what That's we it. call you've made, made it, it. All right. right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, back we've, it up. We've made it from there. Mm -hmm. Um the second thing is that you must be able to save and have some sort of savings mm -hmm. for that rainy day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the third is that you have to be working in order to achieve all of these things. Mm -hmm. I think that sort of thing has been, for me, it's been passed down from generation to generation. Um, I've been fortunate that 
my mom was a person that always thought outside of the box. Mm. So she became an investor in real estate early. early. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that she always instilled on all of us is that get into real estate, get into the real estate market. Mm. And because of, because of her doing that, um, my parents were able to accumulate enough that when they passed, they were able to give their kids, I wouldn't necessarily say a huge start, right. but at least a proper, yeah. proper footing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I say that because I want to say within the last five years or so, I can't tell you how many people I've seen who've passed and people have to be setting up a GoFundMe page yeah, 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 yeah. just to bury yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That we're not even saying cover whatever debt that they left because mm-hmm. they left debt. Yeah. But just the fact that they didn't even have the money to bury yeah. them. Right. Which is, you know what I mean? You look yeah. at that and say, wow, that's right. that's crazy. I told you that Chris Rock, when white people die, they leave a will. When black people die, they leave a bill. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, savings is one. Mm-hmm. Like they just can't tell you to keep saving. And I feel like a lot of times and stuff, whatever, people don't understand that your money can work for you. You don't yeah. have to bust your ass for like multiple damn jobs because I feel like there's tons of people that just go through. I know people with stuff that's working more jobs than me and they still struggling. Right. Right. And that's the thing that always baffles me and stuff. And I'm like, so like the overworking, the saving thing and the lack of togetherness, because it's mm-hmm. kind of like if all three of us and stuff have an opportunity where, okay, we can't afford the capital to something and stuff, whatever. Why not put a put our egos and pride aside to realize this is the common goal. We can go from, like, let's say, all chip in to, to break balance and stuff for like 10 grand a piece. No, no, 10 grand together. Right. To eventually, we'll probably have 100 grand together a piece. Right. Right. But I think it's a pride and ego thing and stuff where it'd be like, well, why Kerry got to be the one and stuff to watch the funds right. or why you get to get the payout and stuff. Whatever. Like at the end, we're all going to get this hundred grand. Right. So I think the lack of togetherness, mm. that's what's always held in, holding our communities and stuff back okay. because it's kind of like everybody wants to be the man yeah, or the yeah. woman. Right. 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 To, so to speak, whatever. But it's just that no one wants to too many, too many directors and not enough actors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel yeah. for those three. No, I get you. Okay. All right. Um, second question. That was a good question, by the yeah, way. That's a, good question. Hey, that's a fire question. Um, second question comes from OMG Jackie. What's the best drug to have on sex? <laughs> I don't know. Nothing but weed, bro. Nothing but weed? I don't know. Nothing but weed. Nothing but weed. Yeah, but I, I can't answer that either. I'm not a... Uh... I haven't really had the opportunity to... Uh, I can't even say opportunity. I haven't really gone down that rabbit hole. So. Which is a good thing. Birth control and edible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of shooting the club up. Fair. Fair. I mean, that's an outside way to I, I, I mean that. Some out-of-the-box thinking. Yeah, I, I mean, you. why not? Like, you know, okay, hey. Okay. I, that's what I feel, Jackie. Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, last question comes from... Ellie Eyelash. That's that's fucking creative. What is what's the thing you overheard and it changed your life? Overheard. Hmm. With me, and the funny thing too, I want to say is right before my son was born, I I never forget the day too. It was um I went to 
I was in I was in Yorkdale. I went to the mall and I went to go buy my son like some shoes and stuff because I'm like, yo, I always seen these phone posits that I would never have. Cause but they, you know, it was like these little cute little baby shoes and everything. This is before he was born. And I just went to go buy him that day and stuff when I seen him. So went to the cash and there was a older white gentleman there with his son. And I think his son was starting to act a fool. And he G-checked the son mm. right then and there and stuff for that. He's like, he turned to him and said, I don't have to buy you this. Right. I don't have to buy you this. My only job and stuff is to make sure you become a decent human being and you help and provide within your community. And I was like, that's a proper parent. Yeah. I dig that. So I even like, I tapped him just before COVID, of mm-hmm. course. I tapped him like, excuse me, sir. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I was, I was like, I, I dig that. I'm like, he's, he's like, he's like, he's like, that's a parent's number one overall goal. You don't know how the kid, you wish for them the best. Sure. Right. But that's the main thing you need to instill and stuff. Like that. And that's from his point of view. I'm like, I'm going to take it and run with it. I actually buy these for my future child to be born. And he's like, yeah, you don't have to do it. You have to make sure they come out to be decent people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, dope. I eavesdropped the hell out of it, but it was a life lesson. Well, sounds right. Yeah. Well sounds taken. Right. I think for me, it's, um, I mean, we talk about this all the times, but I remember when I first heard it, mm-hmm. it really, it really resonated with me mm-hmm. and changed my perspective about a whole things. And that's don't expect you from others. Facts. Ooh. Yeah. 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 No, I like I like that. I like that. Um hmm. You know what? Okay. Um my pops. Um man, shoot. I got to think this I got to think. I'm probably going to paraphrase it. It's it's again one of the one of those Jamaican things that makes its way to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um um it's What's it? Wanted wanted get in the wanted right where it's like you like as a kid like wanting that 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 feeling of desire mm-hmm, right? right like you want this thing you want this thing you want this thing you want this thing so bad mm-hmm. and when you get it it's kind of like nah right right and like mm. and like you know reveling in and like you know appreciating that feeling of desire yeah um and not confusing it with um you know being a negative thing right right you know right. you kind of like you know you're, you're a kid and you want something so bad and you, you really want it and you're crying and like you want a pet it, yeah, you want yeah. It and then you get it and it's kind of like all right cool right like on to the next like it doesn't mean anything anymore yeah mm-hmm. um it's those moments when you feel that you really really want something it's like enjoy that moment while you're trying to get it like you're trying to pursue it the journey the journey the journey, right? the journey. Right. um yeah that's always kind of that's always stuck with me that's, that's always dope. Since dope. A kid. dope okay um we'll hit the people with a associate of sons for the week and then we out of here associate of sons for the week is control your state of mind before you try to take control of the situation. Mm. So, so say the, the sons. sons. Yeah, man. I feel like a lot of people, like even with the whole stock market and everything like that, they're not right. Their credit's probably fucked up, just like how you're saying. Yeah. And they're in a situation like, no, no, no. I need to go do this. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. Control yeah. your state of mind, your yeah. situation, yeah. before you can try to take control of something else. 100%. 100%. Cool? Yes, cool. man. Appreciate you coming hey, through. Man, no appreciate no that. No I appreciate no you, my brother. No I appreciate we'll make sure you. we have all the, the links to his IG page. Yeah, man. Um, tell the people where to find you, man. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. man. C-Suite on, on Instagram. I'm pretty low-key. Nothing too crazy happening there. But uh, yeah, no. Feel free to drop a line. Will do. Will and do. If you, if you love this, because I'm pretty sure. I'm, listen, man. This is just a beginning of education for me. 
I'm trying to be more financial literate, not only for myself, but for my kids, because we see others, groups pass down this knowledge. We know of people who are in generational wealth oh, that might be two, three, four generations in deep. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and this is where we need to be. I mean, one of the things that we talk about, what you mentioned is that as a group, we never get together and discuss this. Yeah. And we're always looking at all the other groups. I mean, listen, when the East Indians go to the mosque, it's not always about the holy things. They're sitting down and they're discussing. Mapping it they're dis- they're discussing this amongst money, themselves. Money, let's talk about it. Yeah, they talk right? about these things. They gather themselves together and they build temples. They build strip malls. Mm-hmm. They build all these things. And then the wealth comes back into the community. Right. So the more of us know, the more of us all together we grow. Facts. Once again, folks, thank you for listening to the Particle Sons. Remember, the difference between genius and stupidity is that genius has its limits. Peace and love, y'all. Be safe out there. Appreciate you, my brother, for blessing the peoples. Peace. 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 The Particle Sons with not your average Joseph and Sofa King Marvelous.